Hello humans, this is Brandon with episode 48 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show, the world's greatest podcast about the world's greatest heroes. They keep coming back, so I'll introduce them. As always, I've got my amazing co-host here with me, Rob. Okay, Josh, can you do the feet and legs? Brandon, mm-hmm. you take the arms and body. And- whoa, whoa. <laughs> 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 I don't know if any cops are listening to this. Oh, boy. Yeah, no. <laughs> he said he'll form the head. <laughs> oh, fornicator. All right. And Josh, of course. Hello, humans. This week we'll be covering Batman Reptilian number one, Harley Quinn number four, Checkmate number one, Mr. Miracle number two, Batman Superman. Number 19, Teen Titans Academy, number 4, Wonder Woman, 774, Infinite Frontier, number 1, Superman, number 32, Action Comics, 1032, Joker, Puzzle Box, number 2, Robin, number 3, Detective Comics, 1038, Justice League, and Justice League, number 63. Oh my god. So, as you can tell, that is quite a big list for this week, so the way we're going to be breaking it down is for... Batman Reptilian through Wonder Woman 774 will be doing lightning reviews for those books, giving you a very, very brief summary, our brief thoughts, our scores, and then moving forward. And then we'll go into our regular reviews where we'll break it down a little bit more, share our thoughts a bit more in depth, and uh, do as we would normally do before getting into our top three books for the week. But before we get going, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month, and thank you listeners too. Like, download, and share our episodes so we get more listeners and can bring you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the Not A Robot Podcast shows at notarobotpodcast.com. But before we get into our many, many books for this week, what's new with you guys this week? Uh, so it's been an interesting week. To tell. Uh, this new job is is fun. Mm-hmm. It's different people, different place. I like it. The deal. Yeah. The deal can't ask for more than that, except mm-hmm. for a raise, right? Yeah. Well, hey, that that already came. <laughs> there you go. All right. Perfect. Well, before we get into uh, some other crazy news, have you guys been reading anything interesting? Oh, I'm still on Invincible, my man. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I'm almost done with Volume 1 Compendium, though, so. What about you, Rob? Uh, with, it, with DC this week, there's not been much time to read much else, but this week we did, on the Marvel side, get Marvel Voices Pride, and we're going to have part two of our special Pride podcast for the month. This Saturday we're recording, so it should be available Sunday. Keep a lookout for that. Awesome. Yes, sir. Well, I'm, I'm going to take a brief moment to plug a book that I got to read called Dead Dogs Bite from Dark Horse. Uh, it's by Tyler Boss, who is a cartoonist who's incredibly talented. If you've ever you know, seen someone like uh, David Mazzucchelli or Leonardo Romero or okay. any of those kind of minimalist artists, um, he's very similar to that. Uh, he did a book called Four Kids Walking to a Bank with Matthew Rosenberg, and I think this is his first time kind of writing and drawing for himself. Um, and it is, I mean, aside from being a beautiful-looking book of really engaging stories, four issues, you can pick them up at your local comic shop or on Comixology if you want, or if you want to wait for a little bit, 
there's a hardcover coming out in September, but it's a, it's a really great book. I just finished it myself, and I definitely recommend it to anyone who is kind of interested in small-town mystery stories. So, Dead Dog's Bite. sounds pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah, Dead Dog's Bite from Dark Horse Studios by Tyler Boss. Right on. And I forgot to mention, I, I have been reading something. My wife... Oh, she's awesome. She got me a hardcover collection, and this thing is huge, man. But um, I, ha- I, I'm a, I'm a He-Man nerd. I love He-Man. I used to be able to do like a lot of the voices. I had all the toys, and um, one thing that I did not know was that there was actually a four-year-long running newspaper strip of He-Man comics and you know i had no idea well uh, apparently not very many other people did too and it took this guy over 10 years to put this compendium together and he's still missing four of the comics it was apparently really hard to do but oh my god is it so cool <laughs> it, is, it is really cool and it's fun too if you like he-man at all go get that awesome all right should we get into some of the news I think so. Yeah. Well, this week, if you are all keeping your eye on social media, there was the new Suicide Squad trailer released this week. Yes. And it looks fantastic. Oh, God. Watch that today. It's going to be a blast. It does. It looks great, man. James Gunn's humor is so good. (laughs) And from, from what I was reading, and I think this is kind of funny, it's a little bit meta- um, oh shoot! What what's her name that plays Harley Quinn? Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Yeah, she, I from what I was reading, she actually leaked it a few hours early. Oh yeah. Everybody was going on about how oh, that's so Harley Quinn of you. Of course, the villains would just release the movie early. Uh, that's kind of a cheap marketing ploy, but yeah. I'll take it. It works. Exactly. <laughs> that's cool. What? Any other news out there? Well, we did get a chance to, to look at the uh, DC September solicitations, and there are quite a few new books entering the scene, uh, especially oh, yeah. with, uh, with some of the events that are coming up. So um, we got our first look at the new Iron Batman book from John Ridley and Olivia Capel. That'll be tying into Fear State, and it looks to be a new ongoing or potentially a 12-issue series uh, going out of the I Am Batman Zero issue that's coming out the month before. Uh, we got to look at the Batman Secret Files Miracle Molly issue, which uh, James Tynan IV is doing with uh, artist Danny, um, as well as some of the other books that are tying into Fear State. Um, we also got a look at the some more information related to Aquaman the Becoming, the new Aqualad miniseries from Brandon Thomas and Diego Olortegu, as well as the uh, just announced Black Manta miniseries from Chuck Brown and Valentin Delandro. Sweet. And then we also got the official announcement, um, even though I guess this was like teased or was hinted at at some DC Expo or Comics Expo or something, and that is Deathstroke Incorporated. Number one, we finally have the full solicitation announcement for it, and that will be written by Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter, and will be featuring Slade Wilson working alongside Black Canary for an organization called The Trust. So, 
alongside Black Canary. That's something I didn't know and has me really intrigued. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, definitely interested to see where it might go. Right? Deathstroke and Black Canary. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can kind of see it. All right, cool. Yeah, there's one more that's the Titans United series. I think that's kind of like an out of continuity thing, just meant to tie in with the show because um, it doesn't look like it's. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's related to anything. But if you're interested in that, there's also the Titans United series, and that's being written by uh, Kevin Scott. I think that's how you say it. Uh, so yeah, with uh, with art by Jose Luis. So. Those are some of the new books coming up, and uh, yeah, that's it. What else? Right on, man. Uh, I don't. I can't think of anything. I had a hell of a day, but it was a hell of a day. I don't even want to get into it. Uh-huh. Power went out. That was that was probably the easiest shit I had to deal with. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. No, I want to talk about some comic books. Get that crap out of my hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, then let's <laughs> let's push ahead and get into our lightning review. So. First up, we've got Batman Reptilian. Josh, give us the quick summary, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll share our thoughts. All right. Now, this is a brand new book. It's it's very it's it's impactful. Um, so it's a little tiny bit longer, but written by Garth Ennis, of course, uh, famous for the boys and so many other books, and letters from Rob Steen with art inside and out from Liam Sharp, who is an amazing artist. The book opens up with an awesome dedication from him to the to the artist who was supposed to do this book, but he's no longer with us, Steve Dillon. Uh, the, the issue starts out with Edgar Lotario. He's this big, huge dude that's a fighter, and he's released from court because Batman couldn't prove that he did the bad things. And wow, were there some bad things. Besides being a liar and a bully, he's also a violent rapist. So Batman Batmans the hell out of some justice and provokes the dude to attack him and then whoops his ass. Meanwhile, while all of that's going on, somebody's out there ripping through the big bag. Enemies of Batman... And that's the real mystery here. So, I mean, that's the summary you're getting out of me for this. The story's wicked cool. The only issue I really have is that sometimes Batman sounds like he's got a little bit of Brit in his dialogue. But other than that, it's Liam Sharp. His art is fucking amazing. And I'm not saying that lightly. I can't remember the last time I didn't like something Liam Sharp did. Yeah, it was awesome. Yes. Uh, 9.25 out of 10, man. Yeah, I thought this was an awesome issue, too. I mean, uh, kind of a, a basic story, I thought, but I, I think I think that the standout for this issue is definitely the artwork by Liam Sharp. I just, it's so great and so expressive, and I think he's just been experimenting with his stuff since Green Lantern Season 2, mm-hmm. and really just trying to push how much he can do, so I love it. So I ended up giving Batman Reptilian a 7.5 out of 10, just because... Well, I did love the art stories. Kind of basic, like you know, it's it's kind of I, I, I typical could, Batman. Kind of typical Batman. Like it, I, I feel like the art is really carrying it here. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I know I'm in a minority here, but as much as I do appreciate Liam Sharp's art, I didn't really enjoy it in Green Lantern, and I think that's part of the reason I didn't like the book. But this is hitting me so much better than it did with Green Lantern. 
it is just fantastic. When I was flipping through it, I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then I actually sat down and read it, and it just fits so well. It's fantastic. It's painted, if I were Yeah, right. absolutely. It's so good. <clears throat> There's some designs of the villains. Like Joker looked a little odd to me, but it's it's just really good. And it, it, the fact that he can take that liberty and that kind of creativity with the characters is just wonderful. Mm-hmm. I thought the story was much more interesting than I thought it would be. Just based on the title and the cover, I thought it was going to be a basic Killer Croc story, but it's actually a little bit deeper than I thought, and I have no doubt Garth Ennis can spin a, a nice tale. So this was an 8.5 for me. Cool. Alright, well next up we have Harley Quinn, number 4, and this was brought to us by Stephanie Phillips, art uh, from Riley Rosmo and colors from Yvonne Placencia. Uh, basically, in this story, all the people that had been kidnapped in the last issue, who were former clowns that Harley was basically trying to help, have been taken to the safe headquarters, uh, including Harley's, I guess, new sidekick friend, Kevin, who is basically being tortured by Hugo Strange. But most of the issue revolves around Harley, I guess, trying to pluck up the courage to go and attack safe even though she kind of is nervous about that and feels like she doesn't even know who she is and, and what she wants to do but luckily she's able to break into safe and take down some of the guards using some fun tactics and uh, uh, is uh, is about to face off with Hugo Strange uh, before the issue closes so um, I, I thought this issue was Cool. I, I think it was probably the weakest one we've had so far. Um, just because even even though well, I loved kind of the sequencing of the action and everything, I, I could I don't know. It felt like this one was kind of I don't know, kind of treading on water. Like it just it didn't really it didn't feel like it progressed the story that much for me at least. Um, while still being enjoyable, but um yeah just it, it didn't it didn't really go that far for me so i ended up giving harley quinn number four a 7.5 out of 10 how did you guys feel uh, honestly i wish i didn't hate this so much because i i like the writing and with a different shit with a different artist i would probably be liking this a lot more um I know uh, if you're a long-time listener, I crap on Rosmo a lot, but just to describe it, uh, it's very similar to, in my opinion, imagine Superman drawn in the style of Teen Titans Go mixed with, like, the Squidbillies or home movies or something. It's just... It's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's worthy of a 5.5 out of 10, and that's only because I feel like the story's been carrying it. I agree with Brandon, though. This is definitely the weakest story of the run so far. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I'm kind of in the minority. I, I can agree that the the story was probably the weakest, but the fun they had with it, the, the moments with Grundy, I thought were adorable, and I had a lot of fun with this issue. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I complained about Rossmo's art once when Brandon was off that week. Thank goodness. And. <laughs> <laughs> This issue, I actually thought the art hit a little bit better. I, I thought it actually fit the tail a bit well, and I really like this design for Grundy. And for me, this is an eight point five. Nice. I, I will say that it does. It does seem that that he's trying to tame his art style down. Mm-hmm. I will say that it's not. It's not the wild, crazy stuff that we saw from him a year ago. Yeah. 
that still makes, looks weird. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Next <laughs> step, we'll be going through checkmate number one, which uh, Rob will catch us up on. No, this is from Brian Michael Bendis on writing deities with art by Alex Maleev, color from David Stewart, and letters from Josh Reed. Checkmate is reborn as a small team of detectives and career government staff. Lois Lane, Green Arrow, Director Bones, Manhunter, The Question, and Steve Trevor. Their goal? To take the world back from Mark Shaw and Leviathan. The possible leader, King, is as mysterious as to why these people were picked. Afterwards, Lois is given a package from an undercover Leviathan agent at the Daily Planet. Inside is some device that may be a target, as Lois is being spied on through the scope of a rifle held by the Winter Soldier. Okay, uh, it's not Bucky, but who knows yet. So I, I think this is where Bendis shines. A nice espionage thriller. It does have its problems, but this is right up in, in his wheelhouse, I think. My only problem with this is these were the best detectives in the world, or just the ones that said yes? Because I can see some of these people, but not all of these people, as what they were describing as the best detectives in the world. Green Arrow? Really? I love Green Arrow, but he's not the best. That's crazy. Yeah. We're all Green Arrow fans here, and that's just crazy, Doc. Exactly. Director Bones and Steve Trevor, probably their government um, connections, but... I mean, they're not the give best it to detectives s- in the world. Give it to Steve Trevor in the world of DC. He's a super spy. Yeah. He's probably the closest thing DC will have. Well, I, I was going to say to Nick Fury, but that's probably Amanda Waller. Mm. <sighs> yeah. That's definitely Amanda Waller. Oh, yeah. It, uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I thought this was an interesting first chapter. And this, like I said, this is right up in Bendis' wheelhouse. This is an 8 out of 10 for me. Alex Maleev is a rock star. Oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Whole book, just like usual, pretty much anything he does, but past the art. Why? Why is this book even a thing? I mean, not no, not against a Checkmate Mini, because there's been quite a few Checkmate stories that I have enjoyed. Sure, but continuing Leviathan, and then the way the heroes talk was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, dude, no thank you. I'll take Maleev all day long, but uh, I'll take him someplace else. Still didn't like it. It was so word-heavy. The the voices for the characters weren't right. Fun or not, I still want my Black Canary, my Batman, my everyone to sound like them, not like goofy-ass teenagers. 6.25 out of 10. And you can thank Maleev for that. Fair enough. I, I'm I'm actually with Rob on this one. I uh, I felt like this was kind of his right corner to be in a nice you know kind of small scale spy story that focuses on a, on a few characters and um, I think there's definitely some interesting uh, mystery developments that that could come up. So um, I, I actually found myself enjoying it really, and I, I was kind of disappointed with how Leviathan had ended. Um, and I'm, hoping I'm disappointed it, I'm hoping, how Leviathan started. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that this doesn't go the same way because I, I, yeah, like I said, I started off liking Leviathan and then it felt like it just took a huge nosedive. I hope this isn't the same. But we'll see. So I ended up giving this one an 8 out of 10 as well. Uh, but next up we have Mr. Miracle number 2. Uh, so Josh, fill us in. Alright. If anybody's familiar with Mr. Miracle... This is going to be fantastic for you. Apparently, 
somehow, scot-free, even though everybody else has returned, scot-free is kind of, is somehow missing from the multiverse. That's the revelation here. But this is written by Brandon Easton with Fico Osio and Rico Renzi um, on the art there, and Rob Lee on letters with a cool-ass cover from Unique Paquette. And I'm going to do this one pretty quickly, and that's also because I'm enjoying it. The book is perfect for a Mr. Miracle fan or a Mr. Miracle newbie. The art is gorgeous, the story is great, and the, the this stuff is it's really top shelf. Like, I love it. I, I can't say how much, man. It's awesome. Brandon, our, our recent, uh, our resident encyclopedia, um... Do you know who these artists are? Um, Fico Osio and Rico Renzi. Rico Renzi. Rico Renzi was the colorist on Spider Gwen. Oh, okay. um, that was really nice. Yeah, Fico Osio. I'm not too familiar with. I think he's. Mm, I've done a couple books for like Power Rangers or some other licensed property, but I don't. I don't remember. Uh, um, they're a hell of a team, man. I really dig this. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the book starts out with Mr. Miracle still fighting Never Free, <laughs> uh, the daughter of Scott Free, the other Mr. Miracle, and his wife, Barda. She calls in something, some green-looking dudes that are clearly ass-kickers. Revelation. Norman Shiloh has no clue who Scott Free or Barda is. That is cool. No one knows he's Mr. Miracle. But his mask is damaged during that fight with Navarre Free. The they the people don't know who it is for sure, but uh, his poor agent. <laughs> and the best part, there's a whole bunch of history dropped from the Mr. Miracle canon, and I'm not spoiling it, but you need to read this comic. The cool part of the canon drop is that if you're already a fan, it's gonna be really neat. And if you're not already a fan, you're gonna learn some stuff. This is only issue two, and if they keep this up, this is going to be one of, one of my favorite runs in the first half of 2021. I'm, I hope this doesn't change. It's been fantastic, not just because it's Mr. Miracle, but the story is really good. It's different from the stuff we've had in a while, and that's nothing but great news, man. DC is evolving. This is proof to me. I gave this one a 9 out of 10. Very cool. What about you, Rob? Uh, I didn't even think about the fact that Barda and uh, Scott could actually be just missing from the multiverse. Because I was thinking, is this an Elseworlds book? Because why would he not know who they are with all this stuff going on? He's never at least heard of Scott Free with the same name, but... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're a little linked up, man. (laughs) That, uh, that, That idea that they're missing that just blew the story way higher for me and i might augment my score a little bit but yeah I, i'm having a blast with the story so far and the art keeps up well i was gonna do an eight out of ten but with that kind of idea that the way this story could go i'll, I'll give it an 8.5 for now very cool um yeah this the story is it's fun but it just i don't know it's i'm still kind of scratching my head just because there are a couple things that feel like they might be retcons I, I don't really know um, oh there's definitely some retcons yeah just because uh, again and I think I mentioned this the last time we talked about this book it was that um, they, they've kind of been talking a lot about how Shiloh Norman has been trying to keep his identity a secret um, 
which yeah, feels it a used to not. Weird. Yeah, it's just it feels weird because again, if you've read Grant Morrison, Seven Soldiers, or even Final Crisis, or the older Mister Miracle series from I believe the late eighties or um, the nineties. His identity is pretty public, and most people know it. He's kind of like yeah. a, a famous celebrity, so it just I'm, that's why I'm like I'm still kind of confused. Where it's like, oh, it's, it's definitely a retcon. Yeah, I'm and I, it's and a I, retcon done for the point, but for the point of storytelling. Yeah, and what better chance to do it in the middle of all of this multiverse reboot when we're going to have this whole team of people being moved over to Warworld anyway? Yeah, I just I don't know. I I. I I try not to be too much of a stickler about that stuff, but it just, um, I, I would just hate it if they kind of threw all that stuff out the window, because, you know, Grant Morrison's Seven Soldiers is one of my favorite stories, just kind of this random assortment, but I'm not going to get into that. Point is, uh, <laughs> I understand your yeah. frustration with that, though. Seven Soldiers is a kick-ass art. Yeah, it just, uh, I, I don't know, it's it's just, it's kind of throwing me for a loop, and, and every time that's kind of brought up, I'm like, I already know, though, like, you should know that so um for me the art is really the best thing i think about this story it's it's doing a great job and it's there's a lot of energy and action and, and emotion to it so i ended up giving this one a seven out of ten i just I, it's it's it's, it's kind of hard for me to get into when it just feels like it's just kind of all a big wet time but Next, we'll be looking at Batman Superman number 19, which was brought to us by Gene Malone Yang, with art from Emanuela Lupacino, Steve Lieber, Derek Robertson, and Kyle Hotz, with colors from Sabine Rich and letters from Saija Temafonte. Uh, this issue in particular focuses on the, I guess, movie versions of Batman and Superman that we've been following from the different reels that Arturio has made. and. Uh, well, Arturio has our main Earth Prime versions of Batman and Superman trapped. Um, the film versions are able to escape into a couple, I guess, different realities that, um, you know, kind of keep them on the run while also chasing after Arturio as he was uh, damaged in an earlier fight with the two. So they end up in a lot of different places. One is a, a world that focuses on Alana Strange and Ran. Uh, one focuses is one focuses on a, I guess, Wild West planet, uh, which was really cool. And then that's kind of where we get a little bit more backstory on Aterio and who he is and how he kind of became this warped version of himself. And um, yeah, it's just, a, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I was really, and have been really digging this series so far. And um, even if the art wasn't the most consistent in this chapter, um, I think it still did a pretty good job in terms of story. I think, like I said, the biggest flaw for this one was really just... And it wasn't even that the art was bad in any places. Just, no, it was just inconsistent. Yeah, it just... That's it, a good well, it didn't it. have... It didn't flow, which was kind of its biggest problem. Um, yeah. Because you have Steve Lieber, whose style is more comedic and sketchy, and then you follow that immediately with Derek Robertson, who's super detailed and kind of rough, and it just... It doesn't flow as easy right. so it's like it was almost like each one of these uh sections with different artists could have worked as their own issue with with that entire art but as separate features with different art flowing together it just it didn't really work so 
Well, I ended up giving this story an 8 out of 10, know that it would have been an 8.5 if the artwork had just been a bit more seamless. I can be with you on that one for sure. Um, I absolutely love the art through most of this issue. I've, I've loved it through most of this run. Mm. And I've loved the silly story. But, I mean, at this point, it is mostly just fluff. The problem is that the sales show it. And, unfortunately, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this or not, but it has been canceled. I'm not sure if the arc's even going to be allowed to wrap up or not, but it's definitely gone. Or at least it's on its way out. That's not good for Yang, but I think he's padded his resume pretty well lately. So hopefully we'll see him on more stuff. Uh, hopefully the team together, uh, I'd like to see him and Robertson stick around and do something else together if possible. But uh, right, they match up well, I think. But uh, 7 out of 10 for this one. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit, reading through it, I it's going to sound bad. I didn't even notice that between the worlds, the art completely changed. <laughs> really? When I was reading it in my mind, it was just that there's a different world, so it looks a little different. Wow. And I thought that actually flowed really well. Wow. <laughs> no, yeah, was, I, I didn't even, I just looking at it now when you guys were mentioning it, oh shit, I didn't. It was, even, yeah. I think it, for me, it was just the shift between Reaver and Robertson was so like. Just yeah, I look at it yeah. now and it is it's wildly different. Yeah. But it's also just like you got this futuristic world and you have Wild West and in my I think subconsciously it's just like yeah, it's like <laughs> decades apart or centuries apart. It makes sense. But yeah, I, this this story it, it it seems like a slowly wrapping up, but it's still keeping the fun. Mm-hmm. And I I do wonder if we're gonna see any other worlds before this is over. I before it gets cancelled. Please. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. This is a great story. I, I'm so sad it's being cancelled. Yeah. Jean Luen Yang is, is just writing an epic tale right now. This is an 8.5 for me. Also, I just I, I had to shout out the cover um, before we wrap up because I just, it's it's so great. I just love <laughs> Batman and Superman and cowboy hats and western uniforms. But uh, anyway. Next, we'll be looking at Teen Titans Academy number four. Rob, give us all the details. And if I'm not mistaken, one of the artists that we just mentioned on Batman Superman is also in this issue. So, uh, yeah, tell us all about it. So, on writing duties is Tom Sheridan with art by Steve Leiber, colors from Dave Stewart, and letters by Rob Lee. The Bat Pack are on the case. They vow to find out who Red X is. After a thorough investigation, combing through the entire academy, they come to a single conclusion. A conclusion that is proven false right away as Red X approaches them. I, I loved this issue. I thought it was a good mix of story and comedy. And I also love these characters. The Bat Pack, I don't know how you guys felt. I thought they were fantastic. I don't know how I feel about them. I mean, they, they might be interesting. I don't think they'll ever be great, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. I thought they were definitely fun in this issue. Fun, yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah, I, I can't see them going around like fighting crime, but as like a fun backup story and like a big issue or something, mm-hmm. just like them solving like a street level mystery and maybe keep this level of comedy where they they act like great detectives, but really they miss the mark almost all the time. I'll tell you, I would read a backup of these guys over Young Diana any day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, I can't wait to talk about Young Diana. <laughs> <laughs> right, this, this is an 8 out of 10 for me. I thought this was a very good issue. Yeah, I gave this uh, a 7.75 out of 10 and um, just thought it was a really fun investigation issue. 
it, I mean, it is kind of, and it, it really, they're really pushing that. Hey, it's Billy, Billy's red X. Um, obviously I think that's gotta be misdirection, but, uh, yeah. question in future state, when Shazam and Billy split, when did that happen? Was it in the past or was it in the future? It, I think it was in the past, in the past of future state, but the future of this. It was kind of in between these mm-hmm. moments, but it, it was them trying to stop the apocalypse. I think is what Some, happened, and that that's why they split. I think it's Necron getting out of hell or something along those lines. But uh, all right, is it just it, it, he's 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 really acting um, abrasive, and you know they're really pointing the Red X shit at him. But so I don't think it's him, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, I, th- I think yeah. it would make I think it would make it too obvious. If it is him, I'm going to be upset because that's just that's just bad writing. But the yeah. art, if, the art in here, the Red X. Sorry, if, no, if the Red X is the same one that we see in Future State. It wouldn't make sense because in Future State, Billy was in hell, but Red same. X was also there. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I remember that. So yeah, definitely can't be Billy. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I enjoyed the story. The the art definitely fit it. I can appreciate that. It was a side story, though. Yeah, I don't know that it needed to be there. It was fun, but you know, not really necessary. Even if the Billy stuff did play out, I would give this. I'm still giving this a uh, seven out of ten. Cool, cool. All right. Well, wrapping up our lightning reviews for this week, we have Wonder Woman seven seventy four. Uh, and this main story, at least, was brought to us by Becky Clunan and Michael W. Conrad with art from Andy McDonald, covers from Nick Filardi, and letters from Pat Brosu. Once we finish the main story, we're not quite done, folks, because we have one brief backup to cover. But in this main story, Diana finally makes her way to Olympus and basically finds the wreckage and carnage that is there. She, along with Ratatosk, run into a god who is being crushed by a pillar, as you usually want to be, of course, uh, who reveals himself <laughs> to be Janus. Uh, Janus, right? I think, I think it was Janus. I believe it mentioned that it was Janus. Uh, and then Diana eventually realizes that she needs to make her way down to Tartarus, given that most of the gods are dead. Uh, and that's when she gets some help from Deadman, who's trying to lead her the right way. And, um, yeah, they eventually make their way down to, uh, to Tartarus and, uh, are, are about to begin their journey into discovering a way to, I assume, get the gods back or, or something like that. But, um, I thought this was a, a, a solid story start, but I, I gotta be honest, going from Travis Moore's art to this I don't, I don't want to say it feels like a step down because that seems really rude but you can definitely <laughs> kind of see a, uh, a little bit of let's say a little bit of a drop in quality to be to be nice about it I don't know how you guys felt but oh, it was right. it just it felt it felt going from the beautiful Travis Moore um, uh, Valhalla to this especially when I don't know, I guess I was expecting something a little bit more for Olympus, 
just just a little disappointing. So I ended up giving Definitely. this start to this arc a 7.75 for the main story. I really wish I could have given it higher, but Andy McDonald, I'm sorry. You're a good artist. You are. You did Multiple Man with Matthew Rosenberg, and it was great, but this just, I just don't think Wonder Woman was the book that you needed to be on. Or at, I, least, I, at least this kind of Wonder Woman story. Maybe. I think McDonald's a good artist, but can be better for sure. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest issues for me were the faces and the posture, like the way that they were standing. Yeah. And also, I've become a decent fan. Not, I'm not like no fanboy or anything, but I've been enjoying the stories for the most part from Clunan and Conrad over the past year or so. But in here, I mean, the story continues well enough, but the I feel like the voices are wrong. The way they're talking is just not Femascara. And the God Scraper, I mean, really, they couldn't come up with a better name than that. Scraper? The other one has got Killer, and this one has got Scraper. One can kill a god, the other one can scrape, scrape him. Scrape off, I guess. Tis only a flesh wound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, throwing in some Monty Python. Yeah, there you go. Um, call it the God Scalper. <laughs> right. But I will say the plague doctor looking dude at the end is pretty cool as shit. <laughs> All things considered, though, the art could be better and the rating is off. I'm going to be honest. Even if I do like the creative team, they just didn't do their job in this one. 6.25 out of 10. All right, well, Rob, take us quickly through Young Diana, preferably as quickly as you can, because I think we all kind of want to be done with that. Oh, <laughs> I, just before, I didn't do a score for Wonder Woman yet, so... Oh, oh no, Oops. go ahead. But, but before we do that, Rob, what is your score for Wonder Woman 774? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can definitely see what you guys are saying about the art, but I would, I, it, it's definitely a step down from what we had with the previous story, but I still really enjoyed it. And I can definitely agree with the rating. There was one part that just stuck out with me where Wonder Woman says gonna and it just <laughs> stuck out like a sore thumb and it just doesn't sound like something she'd ever say. She would say going to. But that, that's just me. And I don't know if it, it's also just me or Ratatosk seems a little evil now. <laughs> right? But that just might be... I thought the, the detailing on Ratatosk was much better in this is more expressive so maybe that's what i'm seeing and he just looks angrier but that's an 8.5 for me I, i'm still i'm still hooked i'm excited to see where this goes mm -hmm. all right take us through young diana rob and we can uh right, so we can put this to rest this will be the quickest one yet <laughs> <laughs> so this is from writer jordi belair with art by paulina ganusho Colors by Kendall Good and letters by Becca Carey. Young Diana becomes a fictophiliac. Hippolyta makes her go outside. Her older friend has ulterior motives. Young Diana has successfully lived as a teenage girl addicted to anime in the 2000s. That's the story. Yeah, yeah I don't have anything to say about this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Jordi Belair. That's what I have to say. I am sorry, Jordi Belair. I love you and everything else I've seen your name on since I got locked up in the goddamn pandemic. Because of this run, I would love to see her in some sort of JLD-like mystical book. Um, I think she would 
probably, I, you know what, I would love to see her do writing and drawing for a Dr. Fate book. I think the coloring is phenomenal in this issue, but the story and art style are just not doing it for me for all the reasons I've said before. What is this, five times now? I couldn't yeah. tell you how long we've been doing this. Maybe 30, feels like 30. For the record, the art for the style is done well. It just should not be in a Wonder Woman book, especially not next to a violent one where people's heads are chopped off and people die over and over again. And there's fucking. But, uh, you know, I mean, the art style is where the story starts to go wrong. The story just keeps going weirder. Five out of ten. Yeah, it's a 5 out of 10 for me as well. 5 out of 10 for all the reasons you already said. I don't even feel like saying them again. Right. That's it. <laughs> 5 out of 10. The whole book, my opinion, one sentence. Not much of a wonder here. 5.75 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a 7 for me, just kind of evened it out I, I enjoyed the main story a bit more but yeah young Diana you're you're, you're bringing this book behind just As become been. a become a young reader story yeah. already just do just it move on go to yeah. put that shit in Scholastic that's where it needs to be yeah that. yeah that would be much more appropriate yeah final score averages out to 6.5 young Diana really brought it down but honestly the main story's artwork definitely brought it down a little bit too uh, so what we're about to get into the full length reviews and one of those is Detective Comics and that just reminded me I just got a Father's Day present in the mail from my oldest no sorry my second oldest son um, check it out nobody can see it right now but it's a big huge Batman bat and it says dad man in the middle, like it usually is a Batman. I love this shirt. <laughs> Super yeah. soft, dude. All right, we'll be back to cover the rest of the issues in full length right after this commercial break. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. And we are back. Hope that wasn't too horrible. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. Now that we have breezed through our lightning reviews, let's slow down for a second and take a deeper look into some of our other books for this week, the ones that we think deserve a little more attention and a little more love. First up, we'll be looking at Detective Comics, number 1038. Uh, wait, no, that's not right. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. That's not what I have in my order. Oh. I have Infinite Frontier number one as the first. Oh, okay. Well, whatever, dude. Oh, okay. okay. I thought you were talking about the issue number. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I was. I was like, wait, what? Because um, I, I, I was just. Ran, I was like, I was skipping ahead to where I wrote my reviews, and I think I just had Detective Comics. Anyway, all right. Let me do that again. First up, we'll be looking at Infinite Frontier number one, and. Uh, this will be kicking off our big summer event, and uh, I'll let Josh tell us all about that one. All right, it is a big one indeed, so hold on for a second. It was written by Joshua Williamson with art from Zermanico and Romulo Fiardo Jr. with letters by Tom Napolitano. And holy smokes, everyone, there is so much in this book. I mean, I knew it was going to be a lot of setup, but holy plot points, Batman. 
uh, a big through a, a big theme through this entire book is that some people remember the multiverse showing itself and some people think it's all bullshit mm. so this whopper of a story starts out on earth 23 with a thomas wayne batman that crashes into the farm field owned by president superman's parents of course but we'll come back to that later in the meantime well what do we call this team are they part of justice incarnate are they a different team it's i'm i'm not sure do you guys know it's green lantern alan scott hot girl mr terrific vandal savage lex luther and talia al ghul oh that's the the totality the totality that's right that's what they're calling themselves that's right as they wrap up the latest baddie, Green Lantern leaves for a lunch date with his son Obsidian. They're supposed to meet up with Jade at the old JSA headquarters. But as they get close to it, boom! They rush the building. Of course, that meant it exploded. They rush the building, but Obsidian can't feel his connection to Jade. And that's concerning because they can always feel each other. And uh, Bones and Chase on the other side of the world over in Paris are also having a lunch date. Less of a date and more of a blackmail meeting. The DEO is back and Bones is forcing Chase to come back to work. Now we go back to Thomas Wayne. He's knocked out. The members of the Justice Incarnate are scanning him. And forgive me, I can't remember the name of the robot, but that's who's doing the scanning. But anyway, they're I scanning No, Machine Head. Machine Head. I just I remember that Machine from the Man. Multiversity because I was like, oh my god, this is such a blatant Iron Man ripoff. But that was the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed it was. <laughs> All right, so Machine Head is scanning him, and the re- results basically say that his energy signatures say that he should not exist. Or at least they were about to say that. And his spacecraft is made out of metal that they've never seen anywhere else in the in the multiverse. And, of course, that's when he, dude wakes up and he runs out until he sees the red skies. And, of course, that would stop anybody in the tracks. That's when Justice Incarnate starts asking him about who the hell he is. He says, get in a flash. He'll explain everything. President Superman says, which one? Barry Allen? Which one? <laughs> I thought that was awesome, dude. <laughs> Full-on multiverse. Yeah. Speaking of which, Barry is coming through... And uh, running throughout the whole multiverse, and he has the idea to not listen to Justice Incarnate and President Superman, and he visits the new world that they found, Earth Omega. He figures out that he needs to vibrate while running, and here we have another boom. He's there. He immediately senses that the place feels familiar, but he says it's like a crime scene, and that's exactly what it is. The murder scene of the quintessence. All of them, and that's just crazy. I mean, okay, killing a guardian, I can see that. But stomping out the phantom stranger, killing the specter, that's that's not good. Dark side is back. Dark side is strong as hell. Dark side is. <laughs> he puts a call out that they need to set up a meeting right now with Justice Incarnate to bring in and to bring in Earth Zero's Justice League. Next, we get a little montage of the great stories that The Flash has been in, including Crisis, Kingdom, and more. He knows something's wrong, and he's right. There's a much more updated and cooler-looking Psycho Pirate that makes an appearance. We click. We click. We quickly see that he is listening to Darkseid, though he's not named, and for some reason, Flash doesn't recognize the voice. That's not a big deal, though. 
Now we get to go to a little diner where we see a whole lot more of that theme I mentioned earlier about the conflicting memories about the end and beginning of the world and worlds. I guess that's the best way to say it. <laughs> or however, you know, you want to look at that. Anyway, there's a group of kids at a table talking about how they remember it. And the guy in the booth next to them chimes in too. He remembers it as well. Some bearded dude walks in, hears them, and then starts berating them, flipping out and yelling. Now, who knows what would have happened, but we don't find out because Roy Harper is there and he gets in between them. Then there's a big boom as the wall blows in and in walks two generic space soldier looking dudes with someone in a really cool outfit and a strange no eye hole metal mask. I'm completely blanking as to who this might be, but I'm assuming it's a new character. They're there to imprison him somewhere, and wherever that is, it does not sound nice. He's got nothing to worry about, though, because as they step to him, a gigantic, and I mean gigantic, black fist explodes from the ground, sending the bounty hunter, or whatever that is, through the air. And this is where things gets wild. Roy tries to thank the people who helped him, and the others when he realizes that it's all past versions of him. They're all past versions of him that if I that have died if I'm if I'm right. And he is wearing a black lantern ring. So uh let the games begin. <laughs> oh yeah. This is so solid for such a big important important book for DC, the plan and their plans for the future. It I feel like this was totally done right. Uh, I, I I have to give this a 9 out of 10. Yeah, Rob, what did you think? Yeah, I, I loved this so much, but I, as you guys know, I'm a huge Green Lantern fan, and when I saw Roy Harper as a Black Lantern, I nearly squealed. <laughs> oh my god, that was so exciting. Me too. That's when I really was into the Green Lanterns, was during whole uh, Brightest Day and Darkest Night. Oh god, so good! It's one of my favorite chapters. Um, the the whole scenario in the diner with the people coming in and targeting Roy. The whole time I was reading, I was saying this seems really familiar, like it's happened before. And then I realized it is very familiar of what happened to Flash Thompson in Venom number two hundred. <clears throat> I'm sure Brandon, yes, might remember yep. that. Uh, yeah. Okay. And that's that's like it's just nagging in my mind. Oh, okay, no, it's that. But I, I guess just awkward timing because that was just <laughs> last week, but. Yeah, this this is such a fantastic setup. Like, even that opening page with um, Thomas Wayne crash landing at Earth twenty three, Kansas. I thought that was that was amazing. And I I've seen the cover for number four, and it's got President Superman and Thomas Wayne Batman on the cover. But I still completely forgot that Thomas Wayne is going to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when I saw him in the ship, my jaw dropped. But then I remembered I'm just forgetting stuff. But yeah, this this is so good i i wonder if this is going to be a proper return for thomas wayne is he going to stick around after this is his world's gone as far as we mm-hmm. know i we we don't even know if this is flashpoint batman so to yeah. be completely honest could, we've got no idea could, could be tom king batman. <clears throat> i kind of hope not what did you just say uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> did that don't wait matter of fact don't say it again <laughs> Well, that's that's also why I said proper return because that was not a proper there return. Yeah, this 
I, I really enjoyed that Flashpoint Batman, and I really hope he sticks around. This kept me hooked on every page. The ending was amazing. This is a 9.5 for me. I am so excited for this event. Nice, nice. Yeah, this was a, a very strong start. Um, I love the idea of a grounded approach, kind of exploring yeah. the uh, some of the multiverse mysteries. That's, that's, that's like an idea I've always had in the back of my head of like, and I like when stories kind of explore the nature of that, of if you live in a world with multiverses and superheroes, it's only natural that you would want to ask questions related to that. I mean, exactly. I, I know I would. And it, it always feels like they've kind of danced around that idea. So when they have that double page uh, spread of, I guess, like tweets of people saying like, uh, if there's a multiverse, does that mean there's different versions of me and this? And I was like, ah, oh, yes, like, please do more of that. Because those are the kinds of questions that, I don't know, feel natural in a, in a universe as crazy and, and expansive as that. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the movie Another Earth, but between that and the movie, oh, what was it called? Legion? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, like, like, I was getting like a mashup of those two movies, like, hardcore. Because, yeah, you know, sure. Legion, of course, is all tripped out battle in a diner with different people and paranoia and yelling and all this shit and then another earth is dealing with all of a sudden the people on earth see another identical earth like mm-hmm. approach and they can see it out in space and then they start being able to radio contact each other and find out that the exact same people are on both earths but they just have different lives yeah it's uh it's it's a lot of crazy stuff and uh, I, I like the idea that not everyone is kind of on board. It's almost like you have, much like today, you have people who are, are just like, yeah, of course, it makes sense that there would be a multiverse. Like, we saw it happen. I remember it. And then you have people who are just like, oh, it's all a hoax. It's a load of crap. There's no multiverse. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a conspiracy. So I, I like that it's kind of varied. And I hope that they continue to explore more of the ramifications of that. So... I'm definitely I feel interested. like we're watching uh, another version of the insurrection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, hopefully, no one does anything too crazy. But at least in their world, they have some superheroes to deal with it. But I, I thought it was a, a, a really fun, cool start. Um, and of course, if you've been listening to the DC Comics Review Show, you know that most of us, if not all of us, I think all of us, are huge fans of Zermanico. So I, I know from an art standpoint. I've been really excited to see what he was going to bring to a big event like this. Um, and I mean, it doesn't even just have to be an event, just a, a story that explores a lot of different themes like this. Um, it was really cool seeing him break out into this because yeah. like when, when I hear the name Zermanico, like, you know, pictures flash to your head and it's automatically like fantasy, mythic mystical kind of atmospheres uh, i think his art was freaking amazingly matched for death metal when he got to do some of those you know that that's what i see with zermanico and to mm-hmm. see him do this oh my god man it's just i'm like he can do more <laughs> yeah well i i knew he could do the big cosmic stuff just because the first place i ever got to see him was Excuse me. The first place I ever got to see him was uh, Green Lantern Black Stars, and that was like a yeah. big DCU type of story. Um, but that was I, a it good just, one too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I was like I said, I was curious to see how he would work with with Josh Williamson again, and and you know, just kind of uh, an approach like this. So a lot of cool stuff. Um, 
And I mean, if Zermanico is great, Mitch Gerrits' cover is just as great as well. I feel like I have to mention that too. Oh just, yeah. Just a lot of really cool construction of this book. So Sorry. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Worthy of that at least. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but next up, we'll be looking at uh, a similarly uh, cosmic story, and that is Superman number 32, uh, which Rob is going to tell us all about. So take it away, man. Oh, sorry. I, I have this on different already. Sorry, you said Superman 32, yeah. right? Okay, okay. sorry. Uh, this is from writer Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Scott Godlewski, with colors by Gabe Eltrib, and letters by Dave Sharp. In a flashback, we find out that the Shadow Breed was harnessed into a weapon by Karath Obakis and Falder. Karath Odanum hates the idea and breaks it, then. Karath Odanum hates the idea and breaks it, releasing the Shadow Breed again. Back in the present, John takes one more stand against the Shadow Breed. They fight hard against him, and just as John is almost under their control, Clark breaks free to help his son. Shortly after, Karath Obakis arrives with some advice about hyperviolet light and using it as a weakness. After a few attempts, John succeeds with this, and in the end, they save the planet. And also in the end, I'd call this a good story. I think so. I thought it was really good. And yeah, it, it sets up John to take over. I think very well. Yeah, I, I think I think some people might see this as kind of like a a filler arc, and like I, I get it, honest, I do. But I, I felt like this kind of tied it up in a nice enough way, where it's like, yeah, you know, we can kind of be like, all right, that was a that was a, a nice end to Superman. Let's see what comes next. Yeah, it definitely had some some character growth mm-hmm. for John. Oh yeah, that we can actually see and not just thirty. Or three thousand years from now. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just character yeah. growth. I mean, there was progression in the Superman universe, and I mean, really, when was the last time we ever, ever saw that? I mean, everything that's ever happened to Superman has been undone. This doesn't seem like it's like that's the idea of what they're going for here. Although it could I've, definitely happen in the future, I won't. I won't rule that out. Well, yeah, like in the future, but I mean. Like, every bad thing that's ever happened to Superman has always been wrapped up in that arc. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, I feel like they're giving John a, a fair shake. And uh, as far as the creative team goes, the the art team is absolutely amazing. And as far as I'm concerned with Kennedy, he can keep this up. I'm cool with it. Me thinks his soups is great. <laughs> Uh, keep it. I, I'm totally fine, and he can keep writing this. It's what, frankly, this is how you write a Superman book, and that is completely addressed to a former writer. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It's great. It is a killer end of this arc, and I was not a big fan of when it began. That said. It's done such an awesome job to where I, I would argue with somebody if they called this a filler art because it's really not. This is 100% pure setup. Yeah, I think, I think, because I th- I, again, I, I could see, like, I could see people saying, oh, it's only three issues. It kind of is just like whatever. And then they're handing off the book to Tom Taylor. But in all honesty, I see it as more of like 
both an ending and a transition, right? It's it's an end for yeah. this this volume of Superman, and it's a transition into acceptance of okay, my son is going to be something better, something different than than I am, and and that's not only a good way to say this is kind of how we're closing the book on you know Superman's relationship with John right now before he leaves for War World, um, but also setting up. Uh, John, you know, to take over the Superman role. Okay, it does seem like we are heading to the future state states really fast. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, generally speaking, well, a few of them stretched out past the five-year earmark. That was the frame of time that was the frame of time that we were given that the majority of these stories were happening was in five years' time. We're getting there really quickly. So I'm hoping that at least I hope we get at least five years of these stories. I want Superman out in the world, kicking the sh- out in the space, kicking the shit out of big baddies. Let John be Superman for at least five years. Yeah. Well, it Let's probably get won't be Nubia ruling Themyscira and Yara Four kicking some ass on on Earth. You yeah, know, it probably won't be the same as Future State, but I imagine it's going to be it's going to be similar for a little bit before. Obviously, they have to you know change it so we don't get to the total dark future that that a lot of future state was. Well, yeah, I'm not saying keep it grim because we didn't really get to see any of the stories wrap up. So we know what happens. Let's just, you know, put a positive spin on the end of it. But I would, I would be fine to see all of these stories being played out, especially in the hands that the creative teams have been lately from Ram V to Mariko Tamaki. Almost every single book is being handled. Great. Like, I can't even hate... The only ones I... Oh, this sounds horrible, but Bendis' books are the only ones that I just flat out don't enjoy. Wonder Woman was a miss for me this week, and Riley Rosmo's art brings a good book down, but the only books that I don't enjoy right now are written by Brian Michael Bendis. And, I mean, that's pretty damn good for an entire publisher. I mean, we review so many fucking books, and, I mean, I like them all, but just a couple? Way to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what are your what are your scores, guys? Thought I already gave mine. My score for this one is eight out of ten. Very nice. What about you, Rob? Uh, this is a seven point five mm-hmm. out of me. Yeah, this was a, a seven point seven five for me. Just uh, like I said, I mean, I think while the art wasn't great, it wasn't bad by any means. Just. I, I, I still kind of struggle with the way that Scott Godlewski draws his faces on occasion, but um, it, it, it served its purpose, I think, and, and story-wise, I would say, did a really great job of just kind of wrapping up this arc of Superman and segueing into what's coming next. So um, I, I was satisfied. So I, I gave the main story a 7.75, but we're not quite done yet. We still have to check in with our friends back in Metropolis. So bringing us our Tales of Metropolis story will be Josh, which I think is a little bit oversized, uh, just to kind of wrap up the story. So tell us all about it, man. It, it is a little bit longer, but I think that we might be looking at either the end of an arc here and maybe the beginning of something else. And I hope it is the beginning of something else, honestly. But... Written by Sean Lewis and art from Sammy Bosbury and Ulysses Ariola, Dave Sharp as the letterer. This is a quick review because honestly not much is needed to cover these backups, but we are continuing from the last issue. 
Bibbo messed up and is trying to track down Loose Cannon, who is under the control of Projectress. He decides to investigate the criminal side of things inside of some place called... And I don't believe that this has been a thing before, but it's called... This is the name of the bar. Dark Metropolis's Speakeasy. What the hell? <laughs> anyway, so he's pulled out by Akrata. Akrata is a shadow manipulator. And the show is on. They're able to take down Projectress, rescue Loose Cannon, and save the day. And at the end, we definitely see the team. Because that's what it seems like they're becoming. Loose Cannon, Steel, Ambush Bug, Akrata, Bibbo, Gangbuster. All being led by one Jimmy Olsen. And if we remember back to Future State, Jimmy Olsen was in charge of the rebellion. And I think that this could very well be the beginning of that. So, uh, you know what? I like it. I gave this an 8 out of 10. Nice, nice. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I thought this was also a nice ending to a very interesting story, and I wouldn't mind more of these. <laughs> Metropolis has such a wide array of characters in the city that you don't get to see very often, and this was such a perfectly uh, uh, sorry. This was such a perfect way to show them off. This was also a seven point five for me. I would just like, keep this up. I want to see more of these characters. I want to see more of these types of stories. I, either as a backup or even just like maybe a digital mm. first, I think it'd be really good. See, here's my thing. The people try to steal the model of the suicide squad, but they do it the wrong way. They try to replicate the whole task force X thing. Instead do this group together, a bunch of B and C list characters that actually are worth a damn, but can't get the page time. And, and and put them in a book together. Make a team. Like I've been saying, like we've been saying, me and Rob at least, have a rotating team out of Detective Comics. Put these guys together in a team. They're great characters. You just don't have another place for them. Make it happen. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I thought this was a solid wrap-up to the arc, and uh, uh, I think the art did a really great job as well. Uh, so I, I gave this one a uh, 7.75 out of 10 as well. Just, uh, I think, a solid package altogether. Um, I don't know if you guys felt the same way. I, I, I definitely did, man. It was, it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. A solid main story with a solid backup? Surely this was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, considering that and how rare that has been, I'm actually going to round my score up, Bob. That is 8.5 out of 10. Very nice. Well, yeah, I think I might do that. Yeah, it was a 7.5 for me on both stories. and I'll give it an 8. Yeah, it was a 7.5 overall, but yeah, I think it's deserving mm -hmm. of an 8. I mean, too, we haven't gotten that. We just have not gotten that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're not quite done with Superman yet, so we'll be checking in with him over in Action Comics 1032, where he is in the midst of quite some big and epic stuff I would say. This story was brought to us by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art from Daniel Sampere, colors from Adriana Lucas, and letters from Dave Sharp. So as Lois is filling in Supergirl on a mysterious Kryptonian science colony called the Philosians, Clark is trying to calm the young woman who smashed Kellex in the last issue. She states that her name is Thaula and that she fears the Mongol who is for what he has done to her 
that was a, a really weird sentence to say. Uh, <laughs> the Mongol who is typing the Mongol who is in my notes was just like it kept auto correcting to a bunch of weird stuff. I uh, bet. So it was just I, like when I wrote the notes. She is afraid of the Mongo who is because of what he did to her and the Mongo who was. Yeah. The Mongo who is took the Mongo who was his place. I was like, backspace. It's just like, <laughs> my, my brain hurts just looking at this. So it's just like, Mongol who is for what he has done to her now. I was just like, what the hell? There's uh, way too many W's in this. Way too span. much. But uh, more than that, she is saddened by the fact that Superman did not come to save her people when she believed for so long that he would. And Mongol had branded all of them with scars of Superman's symbol in their flesh and everything. But she manifests some kind of optic blast after Clark tries to remove her chains. And Lois is able to calm her down. Atlantis is having some problems as well as the power source they removed from the war zone has awoken some old monsters of Atlantis and supercharged them. Uh, so now they look like crazy kaijus. Uh, Superman, on the other hand, has sought out advice from his family and, of course, Batman, as you do, but is called by Aquaman to help deal with the freaky monsters that manifested in Atlantis. So Superman manages to get swallowed by one of the Godzilla-looking creatures, where he enters a mysterious place called the Necropolis, an obvious foreshadow of some nefarious things to come. But Supes manages to escape the illusion, freeze the creature from inside out, and take out the other ones alongside Aquaman before any serious damage can be done. But their trouble isn't just over, as Steve Trevor, acting as an agent of the U.S. government, shows up demanding to have the power source from the Atlanteans. Uh, but even though Arthur is no longer king, he makes his feelings fairly clear. Feelings he believes represents all of Atlantis. If the United States attempts to take the power source, war would be the result. Looks like the troubles have only just begun, and the fallout is sure to be even more deadly. Uh, very, very solid issue. I, I had a lot of fun. Um, man, I could look at Daniel Samperi and Adriano Lucas working together forever. It looks so yes. beautiful. That double page spread yes. of Superman looking up at Necropolis. My god. <laughs> That just looks incredible. A um, lot of really cool world building, I think. And I, I like that he, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, is is kind of incorporating the super family. Not all of the super family, though. Connor, where you at, bro? Um, into, into uh, I, I guess, just kind of working with Clark and trying to figure out the mystery of this. Um so it's just there's a lot of really cool stuff working together i think and um i know i'm definitely interested to see where it goes uh i hope that this is not leading to another like throne of atlantis or drowned earth or big aquaman event where they fight and there's a big flood i kind of don't need that i think aquaman just needs his own title where he can do his own stuff without having to fight with the surface dwellers uh but other than that I gave this uh, an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I, I can see this as... I, I Okay, I took this as a setup issue, even though I know it's not really. It's just more it's like a stepping stone in the story. But it was still a lot of fun. And I, I agree, this makes me want just more Aquaman. I really missed that book. Yeah. I, I had such a fun Nobody time. liked it, but I, I enjoy the way Kelly Sue DeConnick writes Aquaman. 
the stories yeah. she could use a little guidance on, but that was where I that was where I kind of dropped out, actually, because I, I just for me it was exactly what you said. It was like the writing was fun, but it, it was just the story. I just I was not as interested as I was when Abnett was on the book. Um, when it was, you know, really dealing with the underworld stuff, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Um, yeah. And it just, it kind of felt like it had lost me there. Yeah, I think I think my, my favorite part about Deconic for Aquaman and, and the Aquaman world is, I mean, and I'm a sucker for that, is just getting the characters to sound right. And, dude, I mean, I'm serious. Go pick up the last issue that she wrote because the last few pages are literally this metaphorical like love letter to Aquaman and his world from the conic, you know, saying goodbye and hopefully it won't be forever. But I mean, it's not like straight out from her. It's it's written, you know, like into the world. And it, oh, dude, I was like, talk about pulling on the fucking feels. It was <laughs> it was, it was great, man. Now, I, I can definitely agree with I, I just one thing I'm going to say about Aquaman. I feel this turned into an Aquaman review. Uh, <laughs> I, I can I can agree with with when Deconic took over. I think her first story arc was Aquaman. This is post that Justice League tie-in story, and he ended up on like that deserted island with all those sea gods. Yeah. And that story was I I stuck through it, but I found it such a drag. But once you got past that. I thought it got more exciting, and the writing got much better and more interesting, and in the end, it all made sense. I mean, some people need to realize that some stories do move slow, and, you know, I'm one of them. That's the reason why I was giving Kennedy shit at the beginning of his Superman runs. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back, probably back to that, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, action comics. It's 7.5 for me. I, I, really, I still really enjoyed it. I am very curious to see where this ends up with War World. For sure. Um, again, Kennedy is rocking it out. I can keep him on two books all day long. I'm mm-hmm. so much happier with this creative team than the last one. This is the kind of writer you pair these kind of artists. Not there's not just this book, but the other Superman book as well. That's what you do, guys. And yeah, I'm fairly certain that hey, I'm not alone in this. Give me, give me all. one sec, guys. I'll be right back. Just gotta. I give this one an eight point five out of ten. Wiki, 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 shut up. <laughs> um, really? All right. Wait, you were going to say something earlier about, you're, I think you were going to name a rapper. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Th- there's like the New England scene that I'm fucking digging. And oh. there's this dude named uh, Chris Webby that I can't get enough of. He's got so much music. He refuses to sign with a label. He did a couple of small ones like Tech Nine and shit, but he's like, I'm fucking done. Every penny that I get is going to come to me. Uh, he went a whole year releasing a new song every single Wednesday. Oh, shit. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I mean, his talent is fucking amazing. And he does a lot of, uh, he hits up this dude called Mercules. And uh, oh yeah, 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 he's Canadian. Mercules is fucking sick too. I like him. Their 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 yeah. combos are fucking cool. And then there's uh down in Atlanta, there's this dude called Ritz, and he's a bad motherfucker too. 
Oh, he's, uh, I think I've heard yeah, of him. R-I-T-T-Z. Yeah. Uh, they call him White Jesus. Yeah, he, he he's he's <laughs> fucking, he's something else, man. He's crazy, dude. I mean, because he don't look nothing like you would expect him to. He's like fucking five foot 11, oh, but he's like 300 pounds. <laughs> he's this big old dude. He's got a long ass beard, or at least he used to have a beard. He's got long ass red hair, and he dresses like he's been out on the block slinging rock. I mean, like, track suits all day long, you know what I mean? It, it's, oh, I don't know if you grew, ever drove through the hood or not, but, I mean, I kind of grew up there. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, he, he, he just looks very, very strange. He, I mean, he's a straight-up fat Irish guy, but, oh, oh, my God, can he spit. Like, for real. You need yeah. to check them out. Um, yeah. Anybody that was on Strange Music. Google that. Just about any of them are great rappers. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I know Mercury's from... There's a Canadian rapper. I think he's out of Nova Scotia called Classified. Classified, yeah. He's pretty good too, man. Yeah, I love Classified. And if you've never heard Chaos, he's straight out of Toronto. His shit is so good. It's, it's like real Toronto rap. And it sounds weird to hear that... There's like Toronto rap, but Chaos fucking kills it. He hasn't he hasn't done much in a long time. It's K OS, and he's slowly coming back now. He did a track with Daft Punk, but like his older shit, is so fucking good. All right, yeah. he just like a reggae looking dude, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll fucking check his ass out. Hell yeah, vocals, keyboard, acoustic guitar, sampler too. Hell yeah. That sounds right yeah. up my fucking alley, dude. He's like a real musician, and his his lyrics are fucking fire. <laughs> dude's name is Kevin, but it's spelled like K Heaven. Yeah, <laughs> that <That's, laughs> that might be because his his father is a minister. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. That makes sense. They call him an alternative rapper. Now I'm really curious. All right, dude. Oh yeah, so good. Right. Ooh, okay, um, sorry about that, guys. Yeah, all good. We can pick up at midnight. Okay, yeah. All right. I, wait, I don't know uh, Brandon and Rob if you guys gave your scores. Or I think Rob did. Brandon yeah, did I gave two. my score. I said uh, 8 out of 10. All right, cool. Oh, yeah, you read it. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. All right, next we have our Midnighter backup. And uh, Rob, get us up to speed. Well, do. So we have from writers Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad. With art by Michael Avon Elming, colors by Taki Soma, and letters by Dave Sharp. Midnighter contends more with Future Trojan, while. Is that the word I wanted to write? Contends? Future Trojan? Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound right, but I mean, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, That's what you were looking for. <laughs> but like, no, I'm thinking contends is. Is that the word I wanted to write? That sounds right. Correct to something else. Yeah. Okay. Midnighter contends more with Future Trojan while trying out a plan to end the... Oh, God. (laughs) Midnighter contends more with Future Trojan while trying out a plan to end the loop of time he is stuck in. During this, Andre finishes the motions to bring himself into the version we saw of him in the future. And not needing Mr. Miracle anymore, he orders to have him dealt with. Problem is, Miracle is dealing with that himself as he begins his escape plan. I want to say not much happened, but when you 
look back at it, it feels like a lot happened. Mm-hmm. I think things are getting set up well to see where this is going. And I don't, I don't know how to I don't know how to feel about this one. It was good. I enjoyed it. It just feels it's a little awkward because it, it definitely feels like not much happened. It was it was kind of slow. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's a seven out of ten for me. I I'm really digging the story still to see where this is going. I, I just this is an awkward chapter. Yeah, I, see, I was completely different, dude. I was enjoying this backup just because it had Midnighter and Apollo in it. Yeah. Now, while the art is is it is it's a bit too Porter esque for me. The damn colors are outright amazing, dude. They're awesome. And now I feel like the story is really starting to cook. I mean, there's some plot points and seeds that have been put in here. I feel like it's really going places. Uh, and the creative team, do not break them up. That is all. Yeah, I, I 7. actually... 7.75. I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like I liked the art this week more than the story. I, I was kind of with Rob where it felt just really slow. Um just not not a ton of progression, or at least not as much as I might have wanted. And I know they well, don't have a ton of You mentioned that space. before. Sometimes stories are slow. Yeah, yeah I, think I, <laughs> I think I just might have preferred a little bit more out of this one than just I don't know being a little slower. But uh, yeah, I ended up giving this one a seven out of ten as well. Just just kind of okay, you know. I think the the art was definitely kind of carrying it this week. Uh, whole book. I'll take more of this. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 8.25 out of 10. Yeah, I gave, overall, I gave a 7.5. It's just, it was a solid yeah. issue. Yeah, overall, 7.5. Yeah, it did, uh, same thing, I guess. Solid issue. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have much, <laughs> much else to say. Uh, yeah. But next up, we have Robin number three, and this one was brought to us. Whoa, where did my review go? Uh-oh, I had that problem earlier. Scared the shit right out of me. No, it's, it's all good. I have them saved in my notes just in case. Like, I write all my my reviews in my notes just, just in case something happens. Did I not put it here? Okay. Next up, we have Robin number three. This one was brought to us by Joshua Williamson with art by Gleb Melnikov, colors from Luis Guerrero, and letters from Troy Pateri. Rose leads Damien across the beach, telling him that in order to find an advantage in this fight, he really needs to lighten the hell up, which I think is a fair a fair way to, to get someone engaged in the community. Uh, they're off-duty, the tournament hasn't started yet, and Damien really just needs to relax. Uh, after he gets some crap from XXL and Flatline, yes, those are real character names, uh, who admittedly was trying to make him laugh, <laughs> Damien gives in and shows off his knife game skills in front of the other fighters, immediately earning their respect, of course. <laughs> as you do. That was so cool. Yeah. It was. After doing so, several of the villains, like Constantine Draken, Flatline, and others, recap their Batman's greatest hits, where they get the snot absolutely kicked out of them. Uh, also, and I think yeah. it really showed up in this issue... Uh, this tournament is basically the collection of Nightwing and Green Arrow forgotten villains because there are like, so many yeah, different and ones a couple new ones thrown in. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, like Constantine Draken, forgotten Green Arrow villain, Lady Vic. Uh, I saw Lord Dead Man. Yeah, Lord, Lord. Well, more of a Bat manga forgotten character, but but yeah, um, but... Uh, Brutal, who's like the scarecrow looking one. There's an old Nightwing villain. Just like a lot of these 
forgotten characters that no one cared about. I guess they're just here. I kind of love that. But uh, Damien feels out of place with all these people talking about his dad and leaves to head up to a mountain for some peace, only to find Hawk meditating by himself as well. They catch up and bond over how crazy their superhero fathers are, but are interrupted by Master Dusk, who states that the Hawk and the Robin cannot be friends. I think we know what that means. Yes, that's Holy shit. Damien and Connor... What? Oh my god, I think you just figured out what fucking Williamson's next book is going to be. This is supposed to be leading into another related book, and I think you just got it. Hawk and Robin, or Robin and Hawk. Oh my god, Brandon. I don't think, oh no, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that, but... No, he, he said in an interview, he said in an interview that this book is definitely leading into another title, but he won't say what it is. Hmm. Yeah, and I feel like if anything, I'm still I'm still waiting for Green Arrow, but it's possible. It's very possible. I just don't know that you would want Hawk and Robin as well as Robin. You kind of feel like too many. Too I, I many. think Robin might drop out. Yeah, or I mean, yeah, if you if you relaunch it as yeah. or just rename it as Hawk and Robin, that'd be kind of cool. But they uh, did it with Batman and then Batman and Robin, and then I mean, it bounced around a bunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the Red Hood solo had like. 15 different <laughs> titles and it's 52-ish. Awesome, right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yes, that's right. Damien and Connor are forced to duke it out in a battle of the neglected superhero sons. Uh, Connor manages to get the upper hand and Damien goes soaring off a cliff, only to be saved by a mysterious person in the shadows. And he awakens on the beach to see his savior, only to realize that his family hasn't left him as far behind as he had thought. So I won't spoil who it is, but let's just say his family is not quite in the wind just yet. Uh, this is my favorite issue for this week. I'm, I'm still loving this book. It's so much fun. Uh, like, it, I seriously, I can't, I can't, I, I can't, I can't have any more fun with this book. It's just so great. And like every time I come back to it and think, uh, maybe this will be the weakest issue, or maybe it'll drop here. It really doesn't. It just continues to have more fun with Damien, and uh, I think. This issue in particular gave us the conversation that I'm sure maybe Connor Hawk fans have probably been waiting for like a decade for, which is the big talk between him and Damien about who has the who has the crappier father. <laughs> that like cool splash page of just like, did your dad do this? Oh, and he's yeah. like, yup. And th- that was great. So like, it, yeah, it was, was just that it was, was a, fantastic. It was a lot of fun. And like, to my knowledge, Damien and Connor never got to meet. So this is kind of their first introduction to each other. So I, I think it makes perfect sense that they would be friends. And I mean, I know they have to fight in the tournament eventually, but I'm sure once they're done with that and they're off doing their own thing, they'll they'll find a way to keep in contact and be friends. And, and I think that would just be absolutely lovely. So I end up giving this one absolutely. an 8 point. An 8.5, I just, this, this book is so much fun. And I, I would definitely encourage you guys to check it out. Absolutely. Bruh, I am telling you, you have got it. We're going to get a new Super Sons book. I think it would be really cool sounding if they named it Hawk and Bird or Robin and Hawk, Hawk and Robin. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. That would be a very cool book. It really would. And, I mean, just think about it. John can't be Damien's best friend no more. So now he's he doesn't have that polar opposite relationship like, you know, the Batman-Superman parallel. Now he's got somebody that's actually gone through the same shit he has. So that is cool as hell. 
I'm so excited. Bum, 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 bum. Anyway, I think Melnikov is doing his very best here. And Guerrero works really well with him. And as far as the rest of the book goes, I, I can't believe I've been heaping so much praise on Williamson. But he's doing a great job at this, man. Hell of a surprise ending. And... Ooh. Sorry, that was my dog. Uh, it's a it was a hell of a surprise ending, and there's no telling where this is going from here. I like the whole thing. It continues to be a solid book all the way around, man. Eight point seven five out of ten. Nice. Uh, when I was writing down my notes for this, and I saw the end, I was like, okay, yeah, we're probably not going to spoil the ending. And then I completely forgot who it was at the end. <laughs> and then when Brandon was talking about it, I was like, oh, wait, who was it? And then I remembered, and I just got all that joy all the right. <laughs> You never get to experience things twice, but I just did. <laughs> and I think this this whole book is going to be some great character development for Damien, and this issue is really showing it off. I am so excited to see him grow a little bit in a more natural way besides john kent and it's cool to see characters like this grow up in front of your eyes and see what they become later on this is definitely a changeover moment for damien and i i think he might come out of this as something other than a robin which would leave tim drake as robin mm-hmm. yep. i'm okay with that too and- I am so down for more Hawk, and the fact that you, you say Robin and Hawk, it made me think it would be a perfect way to fill the void of no Red Hood and Arsenal book. Oh, that's... And I thought, that that makes perfect sense, because I was a Robin and an Archer. It was a Batman sidekick and a Green Arrow sidekick. It just works. We already know it works, and these two have so much in common. Just make it happen. Agreed. If that's not the book that like I'm I'm gonna be excited no matter what happens for a book spinning out of this, but I, I really hope it's that book. Mm. It, this is a nine out of ten for me. I had so much fun. This is a great book. Sweet. All right, next up on our list we have Joker Puzzle Box number one. This is our digital first series. Although I hear there are some exclusive pages if you have the DC Universe app. So I'll let Josh briefly take us through that one. There are indeed extra pages if you do have the DC Universe Infinite app. And I strongly recommend that you go out and get it because there's such a huge library there and it's only getting bigger. Anyway, this one was written by Matthew Rosenberg with Jesus Moreno, Joshua Hickson, and Ulysses Ariola. Back again, handling the art and colors with letters by Ferran Delgado. Here's the thing about the puzzle box, and you know, this is <laughs> this is me admitting to something that I was wrong about, but Brandon was pretty sure we should cover this in a very quick way, and I was like, nah, man, but uh, there's, there's no way to cover this and either not give enough or make sure we don't give too much. So, this is the review. Going forward, we're going to have this exclusively as a lightning review, regardless of the number of issues there are to review that week, because we're just going to play it safe and not ruin things for you. I hate spoilers. No spoilers for you. This is all that happens. Joker is still in the interrogation room at GCPD, recounting a meeting between him and the Riddler that has to do with the Master Engine. Nobody knows what it is, but Riddler believes it's something that will give its controller unbelievable power. 
We don't know what that means. He could be able to control all of the milk on earth. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, that's all you're getting. We'll keep discussing it. Like I said, maybe in a lightning review, maybe just at the start of the show. But if you're interested at all in this book, it is a awesome mystery and there are clues all over the place and to be honest to speculate what is a clue and what i'm not reading too much into is a little bit out of hand right now (laughs) but uh i would say wait for the trade but not this day and age because everything gets spoiled so again go out and get the dc universe app so you can get the extra pages help you figure out what's going on too the art from both sets are really good and rosenberg has me sucked in i give this an eight out of ten man I uh, also gave this an 8 out of 10. Strong artwork, strong story, mystery keeps building. That's all I got to say. Yeah, also an 8 out of 10 for me. And readers, honestly, I'm thinking this is going to need multiple Mm readers. So be ready for that. Because where the hell is this going? Where where is it going? And, And there's no way I got all the clues this time. (laughs) <laughs> I went through it three times. I went through the last one three times, dude. Mm-hmm. I've got all the shit written down on paper, man. I'm trying to keep track of it. You guys got any ideas yet? Because even though I'm being that fucking weird about it, I've got no clue. <laughs> uh, I mean... I've... <laughs> <laughs> None, dude. <laughs> uh, it's, so, I'm, uh, needless to say, I'm enjoying this book. And, um, you know... I, it's a it's a fun book. That's why it's not rated much higher from me is because it's only a fun book, but it's a hell of a fun book, man. It's eight out of ten for sure. Matter of fact, if this was in a regular Batman or like Joker book, I would probably give this a nine. Wow. Yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff there, so we'll see what comes next, but Keeping in Gotham for just a little bit longer, we'll be checking in on Detective Comics number 1038, which was brought to us by Mariko Tamaki, Victor Bogdanovich doing the pencils with Victor Bogdanovich and Daniel Enriquez on the inks, Jordi Valera on the colors, Aditya Bidikar on the letters. Uh, I have one sentence to start this with. Uh, Mr. Worth is freaking scary. Um, like, uh, <laughs> really scary. Wow. Uh, so as Worth in Batman duke it out in the sewers, Batman tries to make sure that Lady Clayface, who currently has the appearance of Sarah Worth, his daughter is protected and away from Mr. Worth, but it's too late, as Worth sees Lady Clayface and has a breakdown as he cannot understand what has happened to his daughter. Worth surrenders after his battle with Batman and is arrested, but is released from jail in record time because... Well, because he's rich and scary. Uh, He makes some (laughs) more threats before a strange man introduces himself and promises to help him deal with his Bruce Wayne problem. That man is Hugh Vile, the man who works in Mayor Nakano's office. Batman and Huntress do some investigative work back at Huntress's apartment, while Hugh Vile makes some moves with Mr. Worth, hoping to get on his good hoping to get on his good side by crafting a plan that will take care of both Batman and and Bruce Wayne, and set up Mr. Worth very nicely in Gotham City. They managed to lure out Deb Donovan for an exclusive interview, only to trap her. But Deb is able to send one final text to Bruce Wayne, asking for his help 
and Batman is on the scene hoping to save her from the sewers before she is killed by the bombs that have been laid for Batman. But unfortunately, it's too late because there was something else laid for him and the bomb explodes as Hugh Vile watches from the distance, creepily and scarily admiring the work he has done. Um, as always, the writing is very solid and does a great job. Um, I think there were just a couple places in terms of the art, and I, I, I'd be curious to see who inked those pages, where like it, you could kind of tell it looked a lot more rough, like someone was completely... Yeah, someone was just inking it in a completely different way, and I could tell. Um, and I think that just, it, it kind of made it look a little bit weirder for me, but it still kind of worked. Like, it didn't lose any of the, you know, feel. Yeah, any of the feel yeah. or, or action. It, or it felt, like it, it looked like it was rushed, yeah. but at the same time, it completely avoided being sloppy. It was still good. It just, it just had like a slightly, I don't know, accelerated look to it. Yeah, it works, I guess, because they're in a sewer, but you can kind of, you can really tell like it felt like someone was trying to just kind of get it out. Um, but everything else kind of worked in its own way, and I didn't have a ton of problems with it. Um, there are so many panels where Bogdanovich looks like Greg Capullo, it's, it's almost shocking, uh, especially <laughs> yeah. every time he draws a face. It's like, it's almost uncomfortable if it wasn't so good, but... Uh, other than that, solid issue overall. I like that we're finally getting some answers in this. And I, I saw a couple of people say like this issue was meandering or it didn't really make sense. But I actually found this issue to kind of really start tying things together. Because it's like now, at least I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I'm finally getting the full picture of who's kind of instigating the chaos in Gotham. We know it's Hugh Vile. We know that clearly there's some ulterior motive as to why he wants it. Uh, you know, power, obviously, but... You good? Okay, yeah. Yeah, power, obviously, and something like that, but it feels like we're finally kind of tying everything together. So I, I actually didn't really feel that it was, you know, meandering or crazy. I, I felt like it was actually really pulling things together. So um, I'm still really enjoying this book. Um, we didn't get a ton of revelations, though, but I, I, like I said, it's, it's still doing a solid job, so I ended up giving this one an 8.25 out of 10. It gave us a great picture of who Worth is without having, without us having to suffer through some kind of a flashback issue. Yes, yeah, or like this, unnecessary exposition or something like that. Exactly. So we just got to see it, his character being shown to us throughout you know, naturally throughout the story, that's good story writing. Um, but it's funny that you said you had five words to start your review. I have six sentences. <laughs> All right. They are Dan Mora professionally assassinates covers, period. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> oh, my fucking. This is so good. He is he he keeps he I think he's getting better and better every time I see him drive. <laughs> and um Jordi Belair is kicking ass. Uh Bogdanovich is great. Inks and pencils. Uh, he gave Batman eyes without making it look too weird. Did you notice that? Mm. 
He, yeah, only on the, he, only on the I close thought it was kind of weird. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I've seen it done a lot worse. And I think I, for for what I've seen before, this is this is definitely acceptable. Mm-hmm. But uh, story wise, what the hell is happening? This Worth guy kind of fucked up Batman, and wow, he's got influence over everything. Yeah. I'm not sure what he blew up at the end. Is it the office or where Batman is? I think it's where Batman is. Because like um, uh, Donovan, when when she's like let out of the chair, she says something about the office. Mm. Or could be um, both. I don't know. It could be both. It's a hell of an explosion, though. So something didn't make it through it. And uh, Batman and Huntress together as a team is a huge yes, please. Eight point seven five out of ten for me, all day long. Very cool. Yeah, the the art is just fantastic. The the one thing I was kind of having a trouble with, and I think Mister Worth is a fantastic character, but he's being described as a financier for crime lords, and he's never been on Batman's radar before. Like I know he's a brand new character, but it just seems a little odd to put that spin on his mm-hmm. story and him not be a character before. It just seems kind mm-hmm. of odd, like. It, if he's a financier for crime lords in that regard, it's definitely something he that probably could have popped up in the yeah. past. But but besides all that, this is a solid issue. I thought, yeah, I Huntress and Batman makes such a terrific team. I didn't realize that she knew Batman's identity. Oh yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. But I'm also kind of confused. Like, still, if this is the same Huntress that was in Grayson. Or what, Helena Bertinelli, or if, like reset universe shenanigans is a different. No, 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 it's not. What's her name? I can't even remember what the hell her name is. This is Bertinelli. I can tell by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, she this talks isn't. This shit. isn't Helena Wayne. This is yeah, yeah, Helena Wayne. No. That's her name. But the future. Um, yeah, no, you can. I think you can kind of assume at this point that, um, like, I guess she would have the memories of both. Uh, Oh yeah, her time in Spiral, as well as the memories of like everything that happened before, you know, during Nomad's Land and the Birds of Prey and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I do yeah. forget that everything. Everything is remembered. Is rem- I keep. I have that mantra oh, yeah. like stuck in my head. It's like everything, everything is remembered. Yeah, everything matters. It isn't the isn't the mantra? Some people, only some people remember. Some people think it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. But everything matters. That's the mantra. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you'll still get people saying that doesn't matter, but... It, it matters. There's, there's always somebody who's going to say, no, you're wrong. Just no, what the hell are you reading the comics, man? Yeah. They're like, I don't care how the story goes. It's okay. I just enjoy it. Mm. If, if, you waste, that, if you wasted two hours watching a movie and it just started out in the middle of some kind of story and it ended in the middle of some kind of story, are you going to feel like that was a good story? Fuck no, you're not going to. Why would you accept that from a comic book? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, ranting. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, well, that that being said, Brandon, you keep mentioning people chattering online. Are are these people by any chance redditors? Uh, no. This is like occasionally I'll go on the um, CBR has the message boards that they have, not the articles that they post, oh. but the message boards where you can kind of talk about the new releases and everything and 
sometimes I'll I, I don't I don't oh. post, but sometimes I'll go there and just see what the chatter is and see what people are talking about. And oh, I saw, I saw it. I'm on there all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, that makes sense because honestly, I find the only thing more toxic than a Reddit <laughs> thread is the message boards on a newspaper website. <laughs> I love Reddit, man. Yeah, there's some hate that's on there, but if you stay in the good shit, I I. Sometimes the best stuff is always in the comics, especially in the joke subreddit. <laughs> There's always a joke that's funnier, like immediately so underneath it. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, the joke, real jokes are always in the exactly. comics. That's the classic mantra on <laughs> subreddit. Yeah, so good. All right. Um, yeah, the main story is an eight point five for me. Uh, this is such a fun story. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, we'll be moving on to our final book for this week, and that is Justice League. Oh, not yet. We didn't get March of the Penguin in. Oh, crap. I totally forgot there was a backup. He tried to steal a story from you, Rob. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. Forgot. That's horrible. I haven't I'm written calling Dan Mora. Steal a story back. <laughs> I mean, that speaks to the quality of the story that I literally forgot it was there. Uh, <laughs> oh, Brandon with the shade yeah, from down. Yeah. No. Sorry. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, so, okay, before we head to Justice League number 63, we'll be taking a look at the backup story for this week, March of the Penguin. So, Rob, please, why don't you tell us all about it? <laughs> all right. So, we got from writer Megan Fitzmartin, art from Carl Mostert. Colors from Jordi Belair and letters from Rob Lee. The Penguin is getting taken down by the Batgirls, but before they can finish off, Oracle calls them away for an emergency. This emergency is Mr. Worth going ham on Gotham buildings. The Penguin takes this opportunity to round up his remaining thugs and escape. His head thugs start asking for more money, because the rest of the crew thinks they're not getting paid enough, but Penguin answers by driving off instead. And after an embarrassing scenario, oh, let me start that. And after an embarrassing scenario with a reporter, which did not end in the reporter's favor, Penguin decides it's time to take Mister Worth's call. The call that was teased during the main story, and what that call is going to hold, I guess we'll just have to find out. Ah, uh, I smell shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After this, I really hope Penguin comes back into the spotlight. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I think Penguin's such a, a... It's not a fantastic villain. He's not a deep villain. He's not a great villain. But he's, he's a cool... I don't know how you guys I are going to feel about this, but I love how they pointed out that the Penguin is pretty much a useless Batman villain at this point. <laughs> he should just be a mover, a crime boss. But, dare I say, maybe the way he was depicted in Gotham, the TV series... I think he should be a slimy crime lord that will do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite iteration of the Penguin. You know, maybe not exactly that, but yeah, well, he's not. He's not like a. He's not a mastermind. You know, he's not Riddler or anything like that. Oh, he's just a, he. He's a crooked manipulator of politics and money. Yeah, and that's what he should be. But I mean, lately he's just there whenever a criminal needs cash. <laughs> Or they need a setting, like at the Iceberg Lounge. It, um, I guess this is going to show us how like, he's stepping up his game to retain his villainous fame. <laughs> um, I'm interested in seeing where this is going. Mm-hmm. 
the art is worth looking at again. That's for sure. I'd like to see what Miss uh, Fitzmartin has to offer with this washed up penguin. 7.75 out of 10 for me. Yeah, if I, if I hadn't literally just forgotten that this story was in here, I, I, I might have, I don't know, I might have scored it a little higher, but looking at my score and kind of running through the story again, it was fun, but it was just kind of like a, you know, it's like a penguin story. Like, it ties into the character and where he is now. That's about it. Like, I gave it a 7 out of 10. It was just kind of just kind of there for me this week. The whole book continues to kick ass. More Huntress and Batman. Yes, yeah. They make a great team. And um, even if this is the transition over to a total Huntress book, that would be even more awesome. But altogether, it gets an 8 out of 10, man. Oh, that, w- that would be fantastic. I-, I know I've said before, Detective Comics does not have to be a Batman book. Nope. There's so many detectives in the DC world. I mean, there's still... I, I don't know if it's really a debate, but DC stands for Detective Comics. Yep. And they got their start with detectives. It doesn't have to be a Batman book. Batman's got enough mm-hmm. books. Let's have some more detectives in it. Yep. I'm talking Tim Drake, The Question, Kate Kane. There's so many people that could be on that book. I'm with you, man. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I had 8.5 and an 8 out of 10. I'll give it an 8.25. I, I think it was a solid issue. Yeah, no, I, I ended up rounding mine up to just an 8 out of 10. Like I said, solid issue, although I think the, the backup definitely was kind of just just kind of just there for me. It didn't really didn't really do too much. And I mean, I, I felt that the main story definitely really outshined it. <clears throat> but with that out of the way, now we can move on to Justice League number 63, which also features a main story and a backup story. So Rob will fill us in on our main story. And I will take the backup story before we move on to our top three books for this week. So, Rob, why don't you take it away? Well, did Josh not want to do Justice League? <laughs> no, 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 not this week. I think he was done. I'm done. <laughs> Actually, before I start, sorry, I left a blank in my notes because I couldn't remember a name and then I forgot to look. <laughs> it's not doing Justice League is much better for my blood pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised by my top three this week. I uh, I can't wait to get to that part. Yeah. Okay, so we have on writing duty is Brian Michael Bendis with art by David Marquez, colors from Ivan Placencia, and letters by Josh Reed. The League narrowly escapes Naomi's homeworld. Batman arrives just in time with the device used by the residents of that world to invade. Before leaving, Naomi goes a little bit crazy and attempts to attack Zimbardo, but is pulled away by Black Adam. She wakes up in the Hall of Justice, and each member of the League takes turns telling her, It's okay, this is part of being a hero. You can go a little crazy sometimes. (laughs) And then both her and Black Adam are officially invited to join the League. Now, what the hell did that thing... (laughs) The the cover? (laughs) I know you can never... That was such such clickbait. I, it was so yeah. The cover's not always indicative of the story. No, sometimes it's flat out misleading, and that yeah. shit is yeah. stupid. 
Black Adam and Naomi accused. At what point were they ever accused? No. The league literally did the opposite and told both of them, no, no, you're, yeah. you're fine. No, you're that was, that was it's okay. classic, classic DC <laughs> clickbait. It's, it's like it's like those old covers from the 60s where it's like you have this beautiful action on the cover and then you open it up and you're like, oh. Oof. Yeah, where's the action? Yeah. The art on the cover I thought was really mm. good. Yeah. But it's so misleading. Yeah. And I was wondering, like, why? Why are they like? Why are they on trial? What did Black Adam do this time? Did he kill somebody? And no, he didn't. He actually did the right thing. Uh, I don't know. Like the art again is great, but the voices just aren't there. There's wasted word bubbles and inconsistent placement on the characters. Is just messy still, but uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm just happy to see Green Arrow in a mm-hmm. book being yeah. a hero. <laughs> But this this is a five point five out of ten for me. I, I actually scored this one a little higher this week, just because I thought the the ending, the way that that it all kind of tied together, not necessarily the story itself. Which I mean, if I'm being honest, the first half was really messy. But I, I actually found the ending where it's just like, oh, you know, Naomi, welcome to the club. Like I I don't know. For me, it was it was kind of cute. Like it was kind of it kind of worked. And I was just like, oh, that's kind of nice. Like at least they're trying to encourage something new. But um, yeah, I had to be honest with the first half where it's just like like nonsense happening on a page. It was like, oh, yeah. I don't, ooh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to read this anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I, I actually ended up giving this one a seven out of ten. Like I said, I, I thought it kind of wrapped up in a fine way, but how we got there was not that great. Actually, speaking of the end, two two things I want to just shout out. The interaction with Green Arrow and Batman I thought was mm-hmm. really nice. Being the two like human people and they're both rich and well, one's yeah. rich now. I thought that it's it's fun seeing them interact. And also just just before that you had Superman, Black Adam, and Hippolyta talking about stuff and at some point it's mentioned, I think twice, that there used to be cows here. Like why would Hippolyta remember that? She spent her life on Themyscira. I, I, I assume they were talking about, like, before they went to Themyscira and she remembers yeah. this land, but even that's kind of a stretch. Yeah, like, how would she necessarily end up this exact plot of land? There was yeah, a- yeah I, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing it was like a, like a, yeah, yeah, there were cows here or something or whatever, uh, but yeah, no, kind of a stretch. And Maybe she could Black Adam he spent his life in Egypt, and then he was locked in the Rock of Eternity for centuries. Yeah, no, not not the yeah. not the not the best one. Swing and a miss there. Yeah, but that's that's me done ranting. <laughs> Green Arrow and Batman mm. was great. Okay, David Marquez is amazing. <laughs> I feel like I you should write the, I feel like you should write the pull quotes for the tray when it comes out. It's just like, right? <laughs> instead of talking about the story, it's just like, David Marquez is amazing. And then someone <laughs> asks you what saying. you thought about the story, and you're like, but David Marquez is amazing. 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 <laughs> yes, that's what needs to happen, man. Uh, like, his art is great, but uh, the way the people talk in every single panel is absolutely ridiculous. The man has no idea how to put words into a superhero's mouth. Every issue he does continues to or show. At least the DC that. heroes. At least yeah. the DC heroes. Um, well, 
I mean, didn't he do... Yeah, he did that run on Daredevil, didn't he? Oh, it was amazing. I love that run on Daredevil. I couldn't stand the way he made Matt Murdock talk. Really? I loved his... Oh, wow. Yes. I've never heard I that I loved before. his... It was the dialogue. It bugged the hell out of me. Oh, wow. The yeah, Miles no, Morales his, run his he Daredevil did was is... freaking fantastic. Wow, yeah. No, I've never... His Daredevil is one of the one of the more consistent ones. That yeah, but for me it was it was very consistent. It was just not consistent in a positive way. Mm, interesting. <laughs> um, as far as that goes, all of that other stuff aside, I'm just I'll I'll just say this: everything about this book, other than the art, is 100% ludicrous. So stop it. That is all. I can only give this a four out of ten. Fair enough. Uh, is it? Next, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't really. I can, what am I going to come to where you are and change? What is wrong with you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's how Breathe we are. Uh, and before we close out Justice League for this week, we'll be recapping our Justice League Dark backup. And that was brought to us by Rob V with art from Zermanico, colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr., and letters from Rob Lee. So this story can basically be broken down into three sections, so I will do that here. Basically, number one, the Justice League Dark now know that Merlin is trying to resurrect old Atlantis and need to escape from the Library of Babel. Constantine figures out a way, in a very clever fashion, I might add, and they literally walk out of the pages of the fictional library. Uh, After Zatanna states that they need to reach out to Aquaman and the JLA, Jason Blood comments that they need someone more powerful that can give them the upper hand against a figure like Merlin. That someone, part two, is the second part of our story. Dr. Fate, a.k.a. Khalid Nasur and Kirk Langstrom, a.k.a. Manbat, who are working on a way to fix the Helm of Fate. They run some tests, it supercharges the Helm, and Khalid gets some visions of the past, present, and future. And in that present and in that image of the present, part three, a young woman stands out, one Elnara Rush to the former knight of Arthur and woman out of time, who has come to a chapel in Gotham at the behest of a mysterious voice. The voice leads her inside as it starts to fade, and she engages in battle with some men in robes who are talking about an old man they have in captivity, all the while a mysterious dark knight watches from the shadows, smiling, and thus concludes our tale of the JLD this week. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can't, I don't know, I, I can't keep saying the same thing that I keep saying, which is this book, this book needs liberty from the main story, and it's not getting Absolutely. it. Um, which is sad, really, because it just, like, I gave this an 8.5, but I just wish that I didn't have to read it here. Like, I would have read a 22 issue, 22 page issue of this story if I could get it, but we're just kind of stuck with these 10-page backups in a less-than-stellar main story. And it's unfortunate, but it is what it, it is, I really guess. It really is. There's got to be more people than us that are saying this exact same thing, but why isn't anyone listening? Okay. Maybe this... JLD just didn't sell that well, which sucks, but, I mean, what can you do? So I, I figured DC was probably just like, ah, just throw them together, who cares? But I, I almost wish... You could expand the page count, give us 40 pages, and have 20 pages of JLD, 20 pages of Justice League. I would much rather have that, because at least I can have a longer Justice League dark story. My only hope is that this backup is 
is a double-edged sword. Not just to keep the story going because it's a good story, but also to hopefully bring in people into JLD that are just buying it for the Justice League. It's hopefully promoting, you know, puffing up the sales from a future JLD book. I'm I'm really really fingers crossed. I want to I want another JLD book and. I'm hoping that's what this is for. Get people interested, you know, kind of like bait them in and then sell it to them. Yeah, yeah. Because this is this is another spectacular issue from who I would call one of DC's premier creators, Ram V. Ram V. He's I I I have not read anything that this dude has written that I didn't like, indie or otherwise. Yeah, and, and although I I I actually got a lot of crap for this, but um. I don't know if you guys had a chance to read Blue and Green. Yes, I did. Um, it didn't do it for me. I really wanted it to. I, I like we were talking before the podcast, but I'm a huge fan of jazz and like uh-huh. Blue and Green, great Miles Davis album. But I just that one like, and I tried really hard. I read it twice, and I just it just didn't land for me. Like, I, I loved the Savage Shores. I'm loving the many deaths of Layla Starr right now. And um, um, what was the other one that he did? I guess we're just talking about Robbie now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God. I love Blue oh, Green. Uh, yeah, Graffiti's, Graffiti's Wall. That was it. Graffiti, yeah. Yeah, these are, these are great ones, but I just, I was like, Blue and Green, I just... I think well, a lot of people like fell flat so with it because they were they were complaining about the pace. It felt like it was just dragging. Yeah. But to me, I was just like that whole uh, bluegrass jazz deal with the devil mystery kind of stuff. You know, I mean, I'm a sucker for any of that like legend stuff going on, and especially back in that day. Uh, sign me up for it all day long because yeah. uh, I I like it, man. Blue I, I Green thought it was totally did it that for me. whole demon idea was cool in theory. It just it felt like it didn't fully land, or it felt like the idea wasn't fully fleshed out. But that was just me. I just and I I really wanted to like that one. But there's there's if you're familiar with the history of jazz, there's all kinds of um, talks about deals with the devil. With oh the, yeah, yeah, with the big, huge guys and, and that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, I just that, that's why I say I was like most most of the stuff I've read from him has been excellent, but that that was just like the one I just couldn't crack. No matter how many times I kept revisiting it, it just it just didn't land for me. But otherwise, Sorry, man. yeah, I know. Up. <laughs> but otherwise, you know, super solid writer all around. And if he wasn't busy working on Venom with Al Ewing right now, I would say that he should be writing Justice League, the main story and the backup. But you can only do so much, I guess. Nonsense. You pointed out to me one time that Lemire does so much that anybody could do anything. I know. And I, and like, <laughs> I, I, I wish, but I, I, know, I know that some writers can't handle that much stuff, but I'm just like, oh, I would just... Yeah, I don't want to bleed them dry, man. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'm like, and even... And here's the sad part, right? Because I was just thinking, I was going through last ride the other day just kind of pulling it out to reread it and i was just like wouldn't it be nice if even if it's not in continuity wouldn't it be nice if you could just have justice league last ride as your main story and then jld as your backup enjoy (laughs) that 
Yes. Oh, that would be great. Oh, Not wow. to have to stumble through 20-something uh, pages to, to get to the ones you really want to yeah. read. That's the one good thing I'll say. At least it's only 20 pages. Yeah. It's, it's not 22. Right. As far as this one, <laughs> this... Exactly, that's what I'm saying. It's not 21 and a half. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you for that. But, um, man, Zermanico, or Zermanico and V on, on this book, you couldn't ask for a better team. Mm. And I want, I want... I don't care if it's on DC's horror imprint or not. I want a horror book from... Rob V and Zermanico. That'd be great. That'd Hell be great. yes. This this gets an eight point seven five out of out of me. Um, uh, and um, I, okay, the horror book uh, again. Please listen. Throw Joe Hill into this creative team, and you're going to sell like New York Times level shit. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> wait, wait, curveball. What if I was just thinking? I was like, who could you get to take over the main Justice League story? I was just like, curveball, what if Joe Hill writes the main Justice League story? And Rob V. What kind of weird shit will we get out of that? And that's what I'm saying. It's like, you don't even know, right? Right. I feel like we could go back to some, like, uh, um, oh shit, what's his name? Kirby. Some, like, Kirby stuff. Yeah. And get real trippy with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, that's what the world is oh, wow. now. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, yeah, with Justice League Dark, I thought the, the humor was wonderful, and the story just keeps getting deeper. I really hope this night sticks mm-hmm. around. Me too. She, she's yeah, I hope she joins the JLD. Yeah. yeah. You dip in some King Arthur mythology in there, dude, and I'm going to gobble it up unless it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And for any readers out there that I'm, I'm sure longtime readers of Justice League Dark might have already checked it out. If any of you were confused about why Kirk Langstrom looks the way he does, check out the Man Bat miniseries. Because that explains the whole thing leading into his appearance in the last Justice League Dark run and why he's more of a scientist in the body mm-hmm. of a bat and not just a mindless flying brute. I thought it was pretty good. And it's cool to see him in this version mm-hmm. of himself. Yeah, finally, like Professor Hulk. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just keep this up. Eight point five. Please, DC, give this team a book. They need the Let right. Let them be free, <laughs> please. Yes. I mean, at this point, give give me a weekly fifteen page digital first. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I will pay eight bucks a month. To, to read his stories. Don't don't make me settle for ten pages a month. Yeah. That's ridiculous, man. Just... But uh, the JLD creative team continues to carry this book. Uh, we've made this joke before, but you would expect them to start stumbling or something, man. Maybe get a hunchback i'm not sure but they are definitely going strong a rounded up score because of the jld rom v zermanico and the jld team seven out of ten yeah it's the same for me Am I... go ahead oh go ahead okay <laughs> yeah it's the same for me seven out of ten jld definitely brought this score way up 
Yeah, my my rounded score eight out of ten. Uh, I, like. I just, yeah, I just, I, I just wish this book could be free. I just wish I could read a Justice League Dark book that is separate. That's all I want. Crack it open cover to cover and not have to grimace at all. Yeah. That just, oh. It, yeah. It, am I asking too much? It feels so. like I'm not, but I might be. I don't know. Guys, I, I figured oh, well. out all we have to do to get this to happen is we have to find the Library of Babel. And write it down in a book. Uh, that Justice yes. Dark gets book, <laughs> and then it'll happen. That's all we have to uh, do. So we'll get copies of it. Yeah, we, uh, we'll dude, get it, copies of it. If if you if you give me the address, I've got excellent GPS. Perfect. <laughs> I'll get it right on. All right, it's a plan. <laughs> it's a plan. Awesome, man. All right. Well. Now that that's done, let's break down our top three books for this week and a standout moment. If you have one, Rob, please kick it off and get okay, us started. So my top three, starting at number three, I have Harley Quinn. I actually really enjoyed this issue. And again, Whoa. like <laughs> I've said before, I'm a Riley Rossmo fan, and I thought the art really hit it in this issue. Hey, I'm right there with you. I, it, it was just fun. I, it was honestly, it was on one of my highest scoring books, and there was a toss up between this and one other. I don't remember what the other one was. Oh, it was Batman Reptilian. And I just, I enjoyed the fun in Harley Quinn a bit more. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, you put Reptilian on the same level as Harley. Oh, oh I'm man. Get off the show now. <laughs> hey, hey. That's I'm so mind blown. <laughs> Um. <laughs> hey, I, yeah. I just they're they're both fantastic books for me, but I I love mm-hmm. the fun of Harley Quinn a bit more. Uh, number two, I had Robin. Just a fantastic Mortal Kombat story. If if Scorpion <laughs> shows up, which yep. is not a far cry because it's all Warner Brothers, I'm just gonna flip my shit. But oh like, god, <laughs> I would be hilarious. <laughs> And you know Damien would give him a ton of crap. Even, like, even, oh, your mask is just stupid. like like a like a one-off panel, like a portal just opens up on the island, and and <laughs> it's a portal another world, and Scorpion pops out, and like Robin just drop kicks him back in the portal, and the portal closes, and that's the last <laughs> we see of it. I would that'd be oh, amazing. That would be hilarious. <laughs> wait a minute, cool. wait a minute. If cool. we're going full-on crossover shit, we could get the Animaniacs, we could get Darkwing Duck, Launchpad McQuack, we could. Just, well, who, who owns, does WB own Mortal Kombat? Yeah, I yeah no they idea. own Mortal okay. Kombat. Yeah, because I'm like, if Marvel can do the those brief little cameo crossovers with Fortnite they were doing a couple months back, they could probably squeeze in a a, a Scorpion cameo if they really wanted oh, to. Uh, Fortnite's making up that licensing as they go along. They just have that big, huge Batman Fortnite zero-point event mm. where they give out Fortnite bonus stuff every time you buy a comic book from them. There was never a better way so, to yeah. sell books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Or sell yeah. additional books. Um, yeah, yeah. Darkwing Duck and Batman Cross. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh God. <laughs> Am I wrong? When there's trouble, you call DW. <laughs> Brandon might be too young to remember that. Yeah, I'm, uh, that's that's a little before oh, my time. No. Oh. You don't know what you're oh, missing, Brandon. It. It's so good. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll check it out on YouTube or something. Oh, man. It's so good. 
Uh, yeah, but that's that, that's enough Elseworlds talk for now. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. So, well, speaking <laughs> of Elseworlds, actually, my number one is Infinite Frontier. It's such a what? good setup. Oh my god! And I actually had my my favorite moment with Roy Harper, Black Lantern. Oh god, yeah. that was sick. That was so good. That was your favorite uh, that moment was my too. Moment. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty cool. I I saw the Black Fist and I was like, what yeah. the fuck. I flipped it and I was like, whoa, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My wife gets a kick out of me when I'm reading comic books because I I don't say it in my head. (laughs) See, I wish I could have been surprised like that, but I'd seen like a spoiler or something that he was wearing the black lantern ring. So I was like, oh, because they had been teasing that he was going to have a new power and someone said it was going to be like a black lantern ring. So I was kind of a had that in the back of my head and then i saw it and i was like oh crap no yeah i mean i've heard some other some of the other podcasts suggest that that was a possibility i think we even talked about that being a possibility Mm -hmm. but i mean there were a bunch of different possibilities that were going on Mm -hmm. i i still wasn't expecting i mean sure him coming back as a black lantern that's one thing but him coming back as a black lantern made up of a whole squadron of black lanterns that are all him Mm -hmm. Cause he was knocked out, right? He was he was he was messed up, and those other people still the other hymns came to the rescue, and he was like, "Thank you guys," and that's when he was, his mind was blown. So like, there are multiple versions of Roy Harper now, all of them Black Lanterns. That's the interpretation I got from it. Am I am I crazy? I I, I saw them as just constructs, like subconsciously, but. They, it could be like a whole orange lantern thing where maybe they are different versions of him that are constructed in that way. See, isn't that the much better, cooler Roy version? <laughs> Roy Harper's? Oh. The only thing better would be six. <laughs> All right, man. That's cool. Man, well, my number three is going to be Infinite Frontier. I am cautiously optimistic but so far this this feels good this looks good i i am in they i guess they had enough pages to pull me all the way in there man i need to see how that's gonna go so number three number two is mr miracle mr miracle kicks ass this issue is kicking ass please keep kicking ass and my number one is batman reptilian Rob. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I like Ennis, even if his bit Brit slips through. We do need to nail that down a bit, bud. But yeah, dude, this is good. And hear me. Like, literally anything Liam Sharpy Sharp does with art is worthy of a purchase, even if you don't like the story. I would take anything from him on my wall. You follow us on, on Twitter, so, you know, I could DM you that address. Uh, and my honestly my favorite moment this week was damien showing off with the knife man (laughs) yeah that 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 was sick i I loved it made me laugh when a comic can make me laugh and smile that's that's good shit yeah yeah my top three in this week had a lot of ties uh for some reason so and number three, I had Action Comics 1032 and Detective Comics 1038. Both the hey, wait, hold, hold on a second here. Hold on a second here. Rob, Uh-oh. <laughs> well, Brandon does this a lot. 
where you just you just allow certain comic books to ha- to share the same. You can't do ties, man. You they got you to. got. I can't pick. choose. I can't choose, man. <laughs> Do you, I, there, you can get an app that's a virtual coin to flip on your oh, phone. No, it's, it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't do justice to them both, honestly. Like I just, right. if it's if it's got a tie, it's got a tie. Like that. Yeah, there you go, man. Um, All right. Yeah, I didn't hear what your number three was. I'm sorry. I was no, no, no. You're good. Talking. You're good. Seriously, like I try, I labor to choose which one. <laughs> I just can't, can't. Uh, but yeah, Action 1032, Detective Comics 1038. Both great. Uh, number two, Infinite Frontier, number one, and Batman, Superman, number 19. Also both great. Uh, but my number one for this week had to go to Robin. It's the one that made me smile the most, and I just, I'm, I'm having the most fun with it. Uh, and this, this week in particular, I think, just really knocked it out of the park. So Yeah, if Infinite Frontier wasn't there, Robin would have easily been my number three. Mm, yeah, and it just, my favorite <laughs> moment for this week kind of already said it but it was that splash of connor and robin just talking about how terrible their dads are i was yeah. just like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna love this yeah, so, that was so cool yeah. i'm gonna love the book that you psychically produced <laughs> oh i hope I, I hope you're right honestly i i mean we I have a habit of doing that but i'm just saying i won't say it's impossible but i i i, I hope you're right but we speak it into existence Yes, and then it shall be. But that was fun. But this is even more fun. It's time for the biggest Oh, that's nasty. Which title made your stink list today, guys? I think I already know Josh's, but Rob, why don't you go first? Okay, so oh. like, if if you have a problem with ties, Josh, it's going to be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prematurely wrote my biggest stinker down. Like when I first started writing on my notes and I got down to the bottom, I wrote biggest stinker. I just like instinctively wrote Justice League before I even finished the book. And <laughs> I never actually went back to amend it. And then when we were, while we were going through all the books today, I thought, okay, let's like revisit real quick. Is this accurate? And honestly, I cannot decide between Justice League and Wonder Woman. And I gave them both the same overall score, and technically, somehow, I don't know how the hell this happened, Justice League scored slightly higher. But I honestly can't decide between the two, because it's it's one story that's really interesting, and one story that's not, and uh, it's hard to tell. See, uh, well, I, I was, one of them was, has Justice League Dark yeah. in it. yeah. And the other does. Yeah. Well, they're almost like the they're almost like the inverse of each other, where one has a really, I would say, interesting main story, at least for me, and kind of a crappy backup. And the other one has kind of a crappy main story, but a really interesting. That's backup. exactly it. See, I think I would be on it with you right there, dude. But because I've enjoyed this story right up until this issue, this issue did not do it for me mm. at all. By the slightest of margins. No, it's not by Michael Bendis, guys. By the slightest of margins, the currently released Wonder Woman can't keep up with the currently released Harley Quinn in regards to breaking the wind. Uh-huh. P.U. Harley is the dirt. Gross. Get out. Harley was Harley was fun. Ah, I just can't um, look at it, man. Yeah, I. Uh, okay so (laughs) i'm basically in the same boat as rob where 
it really is a tie between Justice League and Wonder Woman, or it should be, but I just, like, I can't in good conscience just stick Justice League Dark under the bus like that. It's just not fair. It's just not right. So... Much MP is, should never be on the stick. I know, unless he like, absolutely deserves. Much as much as I do not enjoy the main story of Justice League that much, it just I can't I can't put it there. So, main stick for this week has to go to Wonder Woman seven seventy four. Well, not a bad story by any means. I'm sorry, but you just just wasn't wasn't too great, or at least honestly, the backup is just dragging it down yeah. so much. Here's the other thing. For me, that's working against the Harley story. It seems to be set in the current universe, right? Mm -hmm. But we've got Harley showing up in other books where, you know, Williamson has complete, pretty much nearly complete. Wow. You know, I was talking all day. Mm -hmm. Nearly complete creative control over what's going on in the Infinite Frontier universe. And for him to allow Harley to be be depicted and going through things in other books and then having this storyline going on at the same time, that makes me not even consider this book as part of the main universe. It feels like it's set in it, but it doesn't belong there. Does that make sense? Well, that would be a shame because I actually think this is probably the more interesting story, but... um, Yeah. (laughs) I I, kind of see them in conjunction with each other like where you, you mm-hmm. can have batman doing three different things on three different books and then also palling around with the justice league and the outsiders and god knows who else yeah, yeah but he should it shouldn't be, be no <laughs> it's he just different be. days of the week and that that is me i'm a big huge bat stan if you've listened to any amount of episodes you fucking know that and he should really be cut down dc needs a slim bat or something yeah, I think I think it's just kind of like comic book logic of like the yeah you, know, you the say Bat- you say yeah you say Batman, but I, I think Wolverine where it was this oh, old joke. same thing. There was this joke. I forget what book it was in, but it was literally this joke where it's like I think of Spider Man or someone says to Wolverine, it's just like how do you do all this stuff at one time? And he's just like I just make time or whatever. <laughs> and it's, it's basically just a hand wavy way to say like they figure it out somehow. That you can be an X Force and X Men and Avengers and also doing your own solo stuff at the same time. So yeah, as it turns out, he's a secret billionaire, and his healing ability helps him cope with the fact that he's addicted to methamphetamines. So he's got his own private jet, and he never fucking sleeps. The reason why Batman and Wolverine crossed over in the Amalgam universe. Yeah, I mean. They're they're mirror opposites, man. <laughs> of the, you know, Batman's not a mutant, but you know, I mean, semantics. If, if we're looking for like excuses for why all this shit happened, back in the heyday of the Flash TV series, the Flash TV subreddit was just chock full of memes. And one of the biggest things, whenever there was an issue <laughs> with story, it would just say, "No, Speed Force." I ain't got to explain shit. Speed, Speed Force. Force. That's speed it. Force. And, um, anytime there's an issue in the comic, even if it's Batman or if it's like Green Arrow, no, Speed Force. Whatever. Dude, we very, got that five up. years of that in the comic books, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I will say this about the young Diana backup. That might give one woman a bit of credit. It helped me learn a new word. It helped me learn. 
I did not know what a fictophiliac was before this. <laughs> there, there you, you go. go. Yeah, at least it's something. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think my kids would watch this shit if it was a cartoon. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean, but uh, it's just, it's too weird. It's, I don't want to beat up on it too much because it's, it, it's, it's honestly not that bad, I guess, if it's for you. But it's like, it's drawn for little kids, but the story is for adults, but it's yeah. told in little kid voices. It's the weirdest thing. It's about... It's, how the Amazons are terrible people, which, again, feels like a more adult story, yet it has this cutesy artwork that you'd find in a YA novel, and Diana still kind of speaks like, you know, like a tween. It's like three different age groups mixed together, I guess. Yeah, so, it's some kind of weird wonders do, yeah. and it doesn't taste good. Well, I get technically by that logic, it is, this is the worst pun ever, for all ages... But <laughs> think about it. It's technically, it's technically all different age groups. It got really is. Kids and teens, tweens, kinda. But anyway, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's not great. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait till you have kids, dude. It automatically that shit becomes hilarious. <laughs> And that's the show. We hope you had fun. We definitely did. Come back next week for more DC Comics Talk when we'll be reviewing Infinite Frontier, Secret Files number six, Catwoman Annual number one. Is it is it literally just called Teen Titans Academy Yearbook number one? Okay. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Teen Titans Academy Yearbook number one and Green Arrow 80th Anniversary number one. We'll I gotta here. say, I am looking forward to all of those. Yeah, I think so. Bit of a light week, but it sounds like there's still some good stuff. So, um, We'll be here talking comics, and we hope you'll stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. With that, there's only one way that we'd say goodbye around here. Until next time. Get to each other. And don't be a robot. Goddamn, there's almost 200 minutes. Shut up,